When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Then we're on today's guest. We've got fucking boxing legend Tony Bellew. Lovely to meet you. Lad. How are you, brother? I'm okay, mate. It's uh, cracking on. Yeah, lot, I'd say I'm a lot less busy these days, but I'm not. I'm busier mm. than ever. Uh, and on my way in here, I've just looks like I've took on another bleeding boxer. So yeah, I pulled up at a car park and a kid who I've known for a long, long time uh, is struggling to get fights and just said, Can you help me? And I've just been like, I'm late for something because I've got to get there yeah. now. I've just been loved with another box mm-hmm. 20 minutes ago, so I don't know. Cracking on me, finding ways to, to keep remain uh, busy. First of all, brother, anniversary yesterday with the good wife, so Thank congratulations. You. Thank you. World champion boxer. Yeah. Won it. Goodest in part, your boy here, Tiro's. Yes. Dream. Been in Rocky films. The people's champ. You're loved all Thank over you. the country, brother. Um, and to have you on today as a guest, mate, is... Is unbelievable, and thanks to Tony for sorting this out. And the boys at the Only Fools Bar for giving us pleasure some opportunity, mate. For I never yeah. even knew, you know what? I haven't been to town for such a long, long time. Uh, just madness happens in our city. I love where I'm from, and I'm very proud of Liverpool. Uh, I don't think they'd actually get that much trouble in here with the uh, surroundings. I think it looks, yeah, it's not the scene for the young boys who are going out to cause trouble. Mm-hmm. I think there's more of a scene for my age, which is <laughs> which is very sad because it's <laughs> let me know how old I really am. <laughs> It's Boston. Yeah, it's so if, if I do come to town, mate, I will be coming in, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be letting the lads know, do you know what, this is a, a cracking little function place as well. So it's just, it take, you know what, it takes me back and you won't know, I'm from the south end of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used to go to a pub, one of our first pubs that they'd let us in. I think we were 17, 18, might have even been a bit younger. But we used to go to the Grove in uh, in Chatty and, and the Grove was only one-tenth of the size of this. I mean, that bar was the actual bar in the Grove and this sitting area was the whole pub. It was like a house made into a pub. We used to go there. We could have a bevy and that on the sly and uh, she was sound behind the bar. So, they're coming in here. Basically, it's just, the Grove has took me back to being 
that little shit in the shop again. <laughs> yeah, and I was when, definitely a little... When life was just beginning. Yeah, me too. When life was much easier. Yeah. So I always go back to the start with my... The guest, Tony. Okay. Where you grew up and how it all began. Yeah. Uh, I was born in Toxteth uh, and I was raised in Wavertree. So uh, it started off... Uh, I've got two older brothers, one younger brother. Uh, Craig is my eldest brother, Mad Blue. Got me following Evan Football Club. My fella is... A mad copite, well, was a mad copite. My other elder brother became blue when he got to about 30, I think, uh, Wesley. He started being bothered about football after he finished uni. Uh, then there was me, and then there's my little brother, our Liam. Uh, our Liam is round of the fucking bend. Uh, <laughs> our Liam. I think that's everybody from Liverpool, uh, to be fair. <laughs> growing up where I grew up, uh, my little brother had a tough, my little brother's gay. So being gay and being black wasn't the, the, the greatest thing to start for him to start off with. So uh, I consistently had fights defending him uh, and people wonder how the fuck I ended up a boxer. Is that why you became a boxer? Yeah, I wouldn't say that's why I became a boxer, no. Uh, I loved fighting. <laughs> <laughs> this was like... So uh, I became a boxer to impress my dad. Yeah. My dad uh, is a kind of guy who was never going to be impressed by... Coming home with ten GCSEs, he'd say, "Now he'd tell you, he tell you that's what he wants his son to do." He'd say, "You know, I want my son to uh, to bring home, you know, ten A levels, O levels, whatever they were called when he was doing about GCSEs to me." Uh, but my dad was a fighting man, so my dad ran most of the nightlife in this city that we're in now, the city centre. Uh, the nightlife sector was his, the security aspect of it. Sorry, uh, and he, you know, he he did done well. And uh, had everything in the city sorted out with the security, with the lads. Uh, and I suppose he gained that respect because my dad could really have a fight. Uh, wasn't the best boxer. Had two amateur fights. First amateur fight he won. Uh, this is the story I'm told. And the second amateur fight, he got his face jabbed off in the first round, went back at the end of the first round, picked up a stool and attacked the opponent with a stool. <laughs> the start of the second. So uh, I don't think my dad had the mentality on of an actual boxer by the rules. But me, uh, it's very rare I've seen well, I've never seen it. I might be able to outfight my alpha on the street. Yeah, street uh, fighter. Yeah, he could just fight me. Too. He would never back mm. down or give in to absolutely anyone. I've heard all the stories of my dad over the years uh, fighting with who's who in our city when it was years ago when it was just a fight. Yeah. Years ago, these two fellas, they have a problem, sort get outside, we sort it out. Yeah. And after it's done, shake hands, it's done with. Uh -huh. uh, nowadays, everyone's stabbing and shooting each other. But when my alpha was, was a young man, uh, it wasn't that way. It was other bones still. Yeah, yeah, that's it, mate. Which yeah. I wish we still live by them. Or yeah. We don't. Uh, so that's why I started boxing. I kickboxed at first because I was a little fat shit. Nice <laughs> kid growing up, loved the food, and uh, I quickly developed a, a knack for punching people and hitting people with my fists. And then I went to the boxing gym. How uh, old? When I very first walked in the boxing gym, I, I started with Terry Quinn. I think I was about thirteen, fourteen. Didn't take it seriously, just thought I was messing around with it, dabbled with it. I didn't take it, I didn't even try properly at it until I got to 14, 15. 15, I'd say. Once I got to 15, I thought, I'm not bad at this. I was sparring with grown men at this stage, uh, sometimes professionals. So I remember a guy called Stevie Bristow, a good friend of mine. Stevie's a great fella. Uh, I worked on the door with him, security. Uh, uh, just a boss, boss fella. And so Stevie was someone who, when I was 14, 15, that boxing age where I didn't know I was taking serious or how good I was, he was a professional. 
and he was he was of a good stand as well. Could really punch. I remember body sparring with him, and he hit me with a body shot. I'm thinking, oh fucking hell, that hurt. And he only tapped me. And slowly but surely, I always wanted to show Steve what I could do and this and that in the 051 gym. It progressed from there, and then I, I used to see the the look my father give me. And um, when I was in a boxing gym and doing things, and as I kept progressing and getting better, better, it just made me dad so proud. Yeah. Uh, so ultimately, I stuck at it. Uh, at 15 years of age, I got expelled from school for believe it or not, fighting once again. <laughs> and then upon being expelled from school, I'd left. I'd, I'd left school, no qualifications, nothing to my name. Uh, I thought, right, I'm going to pursue this boxing career properly. At this stage, I'd had two amateur fights for Stockbridge ABC. The first one ended pretty. Uh, I'd say quickly, but it didn't. The first one was against a guy called Rob Beach from St. Helens ABC, Martin Murray's old gym. Uh, and I fought him, and he was tough as anything. I remember weighing in, and I was a late developer as a kid. So at 15, I was like, I was fighting big boys. I was obviously, I was fighting at 86 kilos, which is cruiserweight. Uh, that is 13 stone eight, I believe. And... They turns up at the weigh-in, and I was like to my coach at the time, his name was Mark Kinney from Stockbridge ABC, and I said, Mark, do my boxing, and he went, that kid over there, and I looked at him, and then and then I was like, looked at him again. This cunt had an airy chest, <laughs> fucking airy face, and I was like, I barely had a hair on me bollocks from that. I was like, how can I be fighting him? He's a man, I'm a fucking boy. And he went, no, that's your opponent, you're fighting, you know, he's, I think he was 17 or 18 at the time. When you get to a certain age in boxing, I think it was cadet age, it, your box fights between 15 and 17. So he was, must have been a really fucking early developer and the bastard must have been on the edge of fucking being 18. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, I fought him. It's the only one of only one of two fights I've ever been nervous for. Uh, it was Rob Beach and we got into basically swinging windmills. Uh, luckily, unfortunately enough, one of my windmills caught him in the third round and put him out. Uh, that was my first ever amateur fight in a hiding suite. Uh, second amateur fight was uh, Ryan Connolly in Heatwaves Leisure Centre. I absolutely baptised him in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a good one. And then it just went on and on from then, as I say. I seen how, how made up my dad was. Like, after I would not win a fight in the amateur boxing, he literally wanted to cheat me. We'd go out, I would get a fucking brand new tracking trainees everywhere. If I come home and said, being there good in school today, Daddy be like, Yeah, well done, so that's great and, and made up, but that'll just knock someone out. Town that's going What do you want? Fritty boots, you know, gear for you, Everton yeah. sub, what do you want? Yeah. Uh, upon me doing really well in the amateurs uh with the training, that's when he got me my first season ticket for Everton in the Gladys Street. So uh, I say boxing and fighting just went hand in hand. I always wanted to impress him and that was the way to impress him. Did you did you respect your dad? There was a bit of fear there as well. I always respected my dad, yeah. Don't get me wrong, my dad left home when I was 10 years old. He was just, my dad's a brilliant father. He just wasn't very good at the husband thing. Working in nightlife security, working on doors, it's a bit of a temptation that he's constantly faced with all the time with women, young girls. Well, I say young girls, fucking grown women, but, yeah. but you know, looking the part consistently and he just couldn't, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Manager with being, you know, what he was. That was me, dad. He was, I say, fantastic father. Uh, did that affect you at any point at school? Where, where the, he, the, the free reign to the shackles come off when the dad isn't there as much to get into trouble? He was in my life all the time, but, yeah. you know, it was it was very, very tough at first. So when he first left and you're 10 years old, I was like, it's a shock to the system. Uh, and then, you know, for the, for six months, you, you you play that thing of, you kind of play them off against each other. You know, they're not talking to each other, so they, they don't know what's going on between yeah. them. So when I'm with my dad, it's like, Dad, you know, my mum won't let me do this, or I, mean, I can't get that, and yeah, I'm getting yeah. that. So there you play that for six months, and then ultimately, uh, it just sinks in. My is not here anymore. And then I I met a bunch of lads who I've still got close friends with today. Once I started senior school, I, I linked up with a group of lads, and, and I never, ever lost contact with them, really. So we're still all the best of mates today. Love about, that, yeah. yeah, there's about seven or eight of us. Uh, and my best mate ended up being a footballer, Neil Dans. Uh, and it's, it's mad how it worked out. We just all stick together. Uh, and my friends basically became my family. I love my brothers, uh, but my eldest brother moved out. Uh, my brother after him, R. Wesley, went to university in Wolverhampton. So basically, I'm now the man of the house uh, and about, what, 14, 15. Yeah. I'm the man of the house and, and I've got to look after my little brother because yeah. he was, you know, our Liam is, is a lovely kid, but he's a, he's a feminine gay lad. He's not a gay lad who's going to be like, uh, hello, lad, what's happening? You know, give you the shock when he fucking kissed another fella. <laughs> My name was like, hey, yeah. And so it, it, that's what caused yeah. all the problems and the fights when he was a yeah. kid. Uh, Do you feel as if you had to protect all the time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your yeah. Family, yes, it? of course. Yeah, yes and no, but uh, tough growing up. Uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. You know? Do you think that's why you're so humble and so well respected is because you did keep your feet in the ground, you did surround yourself, you didn't forget your own ass. A lot of people who make it forget everyone else. People, you know, when people say, oh, you're humble, I don't, it's mad because I don't see myself as being humble. I just see mm. myself as being me. I've I've not always tried to be me. Uh, one thing I will say is is once I'm, once you've crossed me or once you've shit on me, I don't forgive. I don't forget. So once you've done me, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm the most loyal person and giving and caring person you could ever wish to meet. But once you've crossed me or done me, fuck yeah, you're gone. I, I don't don't do second chances. Uh, trust is very hard. Like, I don't trust people anymore. I just because I've been burned too many times. Uh, so the reason why I've stayed the way I'm, I don't know. It's just I just see myself as being myself. Uh, but I say I, I'm a definitely a product of my environment. Growing up in where we grew up, uh, Waverley is just a boss place. I love where I'm from. I'm very proud of where I'm from. Vast majority of of where you grew up spent in Waverley. Uh, another huge part of it spent in Toxteth. Uh, so. I'm, I'm just a, definitely a product of the environment. Yeah. I'm a cheeky fucker when I'm <laughs> uh, I love having a fight. And still, I can tell you a joke. I still love fighting. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could. It's in your blood. Yeah. yeah, I wish I could just fight forever. You know, yeah. I used to go and work on the door. So at 15, I was. I found myself on a in the old club 051. Uh, they gave me a security jumper. Said stand down the stairs by the DJ box, and make sure no idiots come in the DJ box. And there's a radio. So. At that age, at that fifteen years of age, and, and you just you, your eyes get opened. So fifteen, sixteen, I'm standing there and I'm watching people snort cocaine. I'm watching people take ecstasy tablets. These days, it's just mad. And I'm thinking, you know, someone trying to get the easy box every now and again. I have to give someone a crack, uh, and it's mad. I'd be fighting. I'd like I'd give a crack to grown men when they were trying to push me away. So I had a young person's face. 
but I had a big person's physique. At 15 years old, I was 15 stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you mean if I hit you on the chin, you'd fucking know about it, especially if you've been taking drugs or you've been drinking alcohol. <laughs> uh, so I just I just stuck to, to what I know. Uh, I'm fighting always came in Andy when and especially in the environment you grew up in. I say our city is built on on fight and survival. Yeah. And uh, and I feel like I've just been part of it, mate. Yeah, it's a tough fucking city, mate. It's Glasgow and Liverpool kind yeah. of the same as tough bastards. Crazy. Everybody's fucking crazy. Everyone. Everybody, and I genuinely mean that. My granny would fucking yeah. tear the face off you if she gave a <laughs> shit, mate. I'm saying, yeah. uh, you can write, you know, Glasgow, uh, Liverpool, places like Belfast. These, yeah. places, you know, people, it's like, we're northerners, but it's like, it's. I want to go to London, and I've been to some really tough places in London. It's a different way. It's, it's the way it's done, but in the northern parts, it's, it's fucking horrible. Yeah. In the building, the tough places. If you if you if you're not gonna be a horrible fucker, you're not gonna survive. Yeah. The survival mode. Yeah. At yeah, some point, you've got people, to be yeah. there. A lot of people struggling. A lot of people. Um, yeah, a lot of people struggling with money and stuff. And mm. if you know that yourself, then you kind of look for other avenues to make money. And that's where the anger and frustration comes in. You feel as everybody feels hard done by as well. Mm. But again, you've prime example that you can still make something of your life. When I was a kid growing up, I always knew. I wanted the nicer things. I always wanted nicer trainees. I always wanted to have a nice car. I always wanted to have a nice watch. I was going to get it one way or another. Uh, earlier parts of my life, I've done things that I'm not proud of, but so is everybody else. Uh, but yeah, I, I always knew I was I was going to have nicer things one way or another, uh, yeah. and that's that's how I was. That's not down to my parents because my parents didn't raise me like that. But the more, as I say, my friends became my family. Uh, and then there was other people like growing up in my street the lad over the road was like was cracking on doing well doing what he was doing and I was like come on we'd have a new pair of trainees on every day he had like two or three mobile phones nice watch and uh, he wasn't driving because he couldn't drive but he was doing everything else and then he, the people would pick him up in cars and so it was surely you think fucking hell I've left school I'm gone I've done this I've got fuck all to show for it you know what's what's he up to you want a bit of the action you want to do whatever you've got to do but it is the way it is. In them areas, there's just no other way out. As I say, there was... In my street where I lived, I don't know, you know, there was a couple of clever kids, but I don't know what they came up with qualification-wise. They didn't know if they went to university or whatever, have you? Uh, the way out, mate, was just, if you're not going to be a sportsman, what else are you going to be? The the, the 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 aspects and the outlook that I used to have was, I want this, what have I got to do to get it? Go and do it. Do you feel blessed that you had fighting in your blood? Very lucky. Yeah. Very, very lucky. I'm not someone who, when you say blessed, I, I wish I could believe in things like that. So I'm not like a person who believes in God or stuff like that. I've seen too many horrible things happen. Yeah. I've had too many things go wrong in my life to to think God or some mysterious fucking saviour is going to help me. Uh, I've never been helped by fucking anyone. I've been, I've been given a leg up by about two people in my whole life. Uh, and... You know, it's just, I've seen too much shit. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not knocking anyone who believes in anything like that. Yeah, yeah. that. If that works for you, great, crack on, I'm not knocking it. But for me, I just can't believe, uh, as I say, and over the years, it's only gotten worse. Don't get me wrong, I take my kids to church. I want my kids to believe. I want my kids to believe in the mystical figure. But uh, I just can't do it, mate. Yeah. Just... Where age did you get your first fight, professional fight? 20... Six or 27, 26? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 26. Uh, yeah, 26. I'm 37 now, fuck's sake. Uh, 
Uh, I was pro for 10 years, so yeah, 26. How was it? Because that's quite a late start for some. Well, what it is, I was an amateur boxer, uh, boxing for GB, going around the world as an amateur. Uh, I loved it. I was three-time ABA champion, uh, something that I didn't think I was ever going to be good enough to do. Uh, achieved that. I say boxing for my country. I was on the GB squad, living in Sheffield Monday to Thursday. I just had my first son, Corey. Uh, and, but I didn't get on with the coach, to be honest, totally. Uh, he wasn't what I look back on man of his word. Yeah. You know, he shafted me basically, but you know, all I'm done. I just wasn't cut out for his style of boxing, I suppose, or what maybe I wasn't good enough. I don't know, but the facts were I was a three time ABA champion in this country, uh, lost very few internationals. I think I lost three out of about 14, 15 international bouts. Uh, I was very, very, you know, successful in my amateur bouts, never lost a dual international, took part in about six or seven of them. Uh, and then I had an argument and fell out with him. My first son's being born. I'm living in Sheffield Monday to Thursday, away from my son as an amateur boxer, which I didn't like. Tough. Very, very hard, yeah. As I say, Monday to Thursday was horrible in Sheffield and I also didn't appreciate the training. Uh, you train three or four times a day when that's just unnecessary. As, as I've learned going on and going forward in my career, uh, training three or four times a day is just fucking ridiculous it's stupid it's not needed you know you can get out what you you can get out in them four sessions in one what you would need or in two if you want to break it up and get a better recovery from it so I just thought I got to the stage where at the end I'd been arguing fallout with him uh, and then I basically thought right this isn't cutting the fucking dough I was earning a thousand pound a month through the Liverpool City Council scheme of being an elite scholar I had an elite scholarship. I was being trained to be a trainee accountant. I had fuck all knowledge of how I'd be an accountant. I just thought, I can count money, so that, <laughs> that's going to be yeah. what, what it's about. Accountancy was a fuck about that. It was about ledgers, pros, profit, loss margins, all that kind of thing. I never had any time for that. So I thought, listen, I'll go pro. And when I first came pro, I thought, my plan will be, I know I'll win a British title, I'll piss a British title. I'll defend it a few times, keep that lovely belt, and then I'll look to see if I can earn enough money to keep buying houses. At this moment in time, I'm now living in a terraced house in Old Swan that I bought off my elder brother. Uh, and I'm basically just surviving. That's what I was doing. Uh, and it was just, you know, I thought, turn pro in a few quid. Did you ever doubt yourself at this time that... Yeah, because I also had dodgy hands. So I, I'd cracked my hands in various places as an amateur. I'd never actually completely snapped my hand as an amateur. I cracked them, so the breaks, but the minor little scuffle breaks. Uh, so when I say pro, I thought the one thing that might hold me back is my hands. I've got really small hands for a for a man of my size. So, so I'm six foot three. You put your left hand to mine, yeah. and I don't know what height you are, but basically yeah, fucking tiny hands. Same size, same size hands as me. Me, I've got hands like a fucking woman. Here. <laughs> it's probably how much washing up she has to be doing in the house. Uh, so I always feared my hands would be what would be would keep me back. Uh, they didn't, which I'm very fortunate for. But I had to have numerous operations on them. So I say, turned professional with a man called Frank Warren, uh, and and learned the game pretty quick. And I had to learn pretty quick because I wasn't uh, a boxer who was going to stand around waiting. My first uh, six contests were four rounders because they didn't want to up me to up me money to the six round level. Uh, I think I blitzed four of them inside of distance, two went to points, or five inside of distance, one went to points, don't know what it was now off the top of my head. Uh, and then I was flying, got into title contention pretty quickly, 
uh, and fought for my first professional title, the Commonwealth belt, in I think me 11th or 12th fight. Yeah. Won the Commonwealth, everything was flying. Uh, won it, defended it numerous times. And then it was when I fought over McKenzie, I really realized that I needed to change things. I had really, I had good people around me. So I had my friend. Uh, I was interested in Manchester with a fella called Anthony Farnell. Uh, and I just needed a change. I needed to, to get away and, and move. And my friends were telling me this for quite a while before I actually moved. And they were like, listen, this isn't the best place for you. I don't think, you know, you're going to progress here. And I was like, I'm a loyal person, so I wanted to stay with him. Uh, so I went up and I sat down with him. I pulled him to the side and said, listen, can we bring someone in to help to help us? I think it's a wrong move if we just keep taking this this on our own because he was a new trainer, I was a new professional, and he never knew everything that I suppose he knows now, but I didn't know everything that I know now. So was I training correctly then? No, but was I training hard then? Yes. Uh, I didn't make weight right, I made weight terribly, and I didn't have no game plans going into fights because I was so powerful at light heavyweight at that age that we just thought we were gonna get rid of everyone. So when I went up to him after the first old McKenzie fight where I'm on the floor twice, uh, I remember looking back over the old McKenzie fight and the advice in the corner was think of your wife, think of your missus and think of the kids. At this stage, I've now got two kids. Uh, and that's just not the kind of thing you want to be hearing in the corner at that time. But that's because of his... He, he doesn't have... Inex, that's because of his inexperience. That's all it was down to. I'm sure he's got the experience and also be a better coach. But at the time, it didn't really work. Uh, I went up like a man sat with him down face to face and uh, it was hard to leave him at the time because he'd become a good friend uh, and, and I left told me reasons why uh, said I don't wait you know I don't like traveling all the way up home from here all the time you know this and that traveling to Manchester every day I want to go home want to be back at home with my family and stuff and he said okay sound sound everything changed as years went on but that's how we parted company we shook hands like a man I went up seen him face to face I came home went back to Rotunda to my coach Mick McAllister and then that was a kind of rebirth to where I needed to be as a boxer, mentally and physically. That was the the, the best thing I'd done. Mm -hmm. McAllister was a breath of fresh air for me when I came back. Because all the things that I now thought, thought pro boxing was just about knocking people out. And 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 I was doing that good. I was I was Commonwealth champion. I was undefeated. I was 12-0, and 13-0, uh, 14-0. After the old McKenzie first fight, I'm now 14-0. I've come back to Liverpool. I start training with Thunder again. I went back to the basics, blisters on my feet again from all the fucking foot drills, footwork. Everything just went back to basics. And it paid dividends, it really did. Uh, I got into a rematch with Old McKenzie and completely boxed his head off. He didn't lay a glove on me in 12 rounds uh, after dropping me twice in the first fight. So you could see the improvement drastically already. Only thing then what happens is I then get thrown to the wolves and into a world title fight in my 16th fight. Can uh, No, this was Nathan Cleverley's fight. Yeah, uh, wheels. Don't get me wrong, in yeah, yeah, Nick Cleverley from Wales, we fought him in Liverpool. I actually thought I won. I'll always think I won that fight still to this day. Uh, I thought I just got the better of it. One of them, then. really close fight, don't get me wrong. It's one of them that can go either way, but I thought I showed the better quality in the fight, even though he came on strong in the last three rounds and we trained and fucked. But uh, I still stuck with my coach. Usually fighters lose and want to blame the coach. I left a fight, I left one coach on win after being 13 and 0. Uh, or 14 and oh sorry now this coach I've come across with my first loss I stuck with him I knew it was nothing down to him uh, I stuck with Mick McAllister stayed with Mark and everything was going great uh, even after the loss which I didn't think I lost I stayed at home 
built up a, another impressive things again, done everything right. I think I went the next. Uh, How was that defeat? Your first ever defeat I, at the first one against Kelly. I didn't class it as a defeat. I didn't think he beat me. So it was it was easy to bounce back from. Mm-hmm. The next day I went out, and now uh, after uh, you'll you'll see the comparison from when I lose again, but. Uh, every on the Monday, I was proud of myself. I was happy. I was out walking down the streets in the town centre, centre shop, maybe miss. I was I was proud of myself because I thought I'd won. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd beat here a world champion who's made defences, done whatever. I just haven't been given the decision. With me, my career, it's always going to be one of them. Is people took me personal because I, I would say crazy shit. I would do some things that were uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fucking hell. Uh, I would do things that would attract attention. I would do things that would, that was pretty much what's the fucking word? Begins with a C. I'm a punchy cunt. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would do things that would. They would gain attention through media. So I would punch someone. I would throw something yeah. at them. I would sing. That puts asses on seats. Yeah, I, I, you know, commercially it was great. Yeah. The promoters loved me. Mm-hmm. Promoter loved me. Uh, TV stations love me. I wouldn't say things that, uh, and and just do some mad stuff. So it was just they didn't like me going in. And when I look back to the referees and the judges for the fight, I also realised why I didn't get it as well. But it doesn't matter. It's all bridged, you know, towards under yeah. these days. I couldn't give a shit. I proved everyone wrong, wrong in the rematch. But uh, I didn't get it. So when I went home, I was like, I fucking won that one. I could go over and over, man. Watch the fight again on tape. Can't believe I've got that decision. What's going on? Uh, upon doing that, I then had uh, a few issues with me promoter, uh, which was in the media and went to court and stuff like that about me getting paid, not getting paid, did end up getting paid in the end. Uh, and I won that court battle with him and then I moved promoter and then that's when I, I realised, you know, exactly what I was worth, what I was getting, everything like that came into place. Uh and my career just cracked on. I had my first fight after the cleverly lost going to my first career, the final fight, where if I lose as well, it wasn't my second, because if I lost against Oliver McKenzie, my career was over in that rematch. Is that what you had in your mind? Yeah. Well, you go into certain fights, and on five or six occasions, I've been in them massive pressure fights where your career's on the line. See, I think you fight better when you're... Definitely. Uh, not the underdog, but more pressure's riding on it. When, for the Oliver McKenzie rematch, my career's on the line because I got dropped twice in the first fight, and people said it, it it was a bit of a harsh stoppage. He jumped in too early, to be honest. He stole my glory. I was on the verge of putting Over McKenzie fast asleep. And the referee just jumped in. Better to be safe than sorry. But it put me in a position and a predicament in the rematch where I've got to face him now and prove everyone that I am the better fighter. I went into the rematch, I say your career's on the line. In my home city, Liverpool, arena's fucking sold out again. Uh, massive pressure. But it does a great job. Uh, so then the next time I've got pressure on my shoulders is I've just come back from the Cleverly fight, the first one, and I'm fighting Danny McIntosh in Echo Arena. That's half empty. Uh, we struggled to sell tickets and no one was behind me. No one gave a shit uh, because me and Danny McIntosh didn't really have much banter because I actually liked him. He's the only person, <laughs> I've, he's the only person I've ever fought who I actually thought <laughs> I could have a pint with him. Yeah. He, he made me laugh. He was funny. Mm-hmm. So is that... Is that more difficult to get into a ring and not hate someone? It's not that you hate the boxers, but to have that anger that I'm going to fucking kind of knock your head off mentally. I hated everyone. <laughs> when I was fine, when I was fine, I hated, I hated everyone. Uh, but with Danny, it was just, he, 
he, he, he made me laugh at certain stages and smile. So he's one of the very few people I've shook hands with before we fought <laughs> on the scales. He put his hand on and I shook his hand, which I've I very rarely done for going forward in my career. I had to have a mindset about me. I said, I want to kill everyone. Hmm. So that fight went into massive pressure. I lose against Danny McIntosh, my career's over. Hmm. Uh, I comes through it. I'm now signing with Eddie Hearn. Uh, Eddie Hearn's just starting to build a stable. I think his first signing might have been Darren Barker or Kelbrook. They've signed with him. Uh, I've now left my promotional outfit, who was with Frank Warren. We were in court, in and out of court. I ended up beating him in court, and I'm free from him. I left him. Do you try to fuck you over? Uh, yeah, you could say that. Look through the door, co the, yeah. the court documents, and you'll soon yeah. see. Uh, look through the court. I say the court transcripts and uh, the papers. I have all the paperwork still to this day. All the old emails I've kept. So, you know, I've, I've got it, everything, all the proof of everything there. So, yes, uh, I left him which very few boxers get to leave someone like Frank Warren and come out the other side uh, smelling roses, which I done, which was a very, very stressful time. People will never know the amount of stress I went through at that time of my career. A man who's worth an awful lot of money is trying to sue me and take my career away. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'd have lost in court to him, I would have never fought again. I've just retired. Scared of that for huh? Rather than fight for him, he was trying to take my career away. Is uh, that trying to break you because they've got the powers of yeah. they call all the shots? Oh, my mate, it was horrible. It was hot. It was so stressful. The time I was fight, I remember being in the dressing room to fight a guy called Edison Miranda, who was a who was a dangerous puncher at this stage. And Edison Miranda's he's he's on the second half of his career now. He's he's looked at as an opponent and not to challenge it anymore. But it's a dangerous place to be in because he just lost a points decision loss to someone called Isaac Chalamba, and. Eddie said, I want you to fight him. And I was like, fucking hell, why do I need to fight him? He's dangerous, can punch. He said, it's good TV. And I thought, it's all right, I'll do it. Boxed really cautiously. 20 minutes before I had to walk to the ring to fight Edison Miranda, the British Boxing Board of Control came into my dressing room, wouldn't wait till after the fight, came in my dressing room 20 minutes before I walked to the ring. I had to take my glove off. And he said, if you don't give us a check sign now for £10,000 for the for the for £10,000, you're not going to be able to go in the, get in the ring and fight. And I said, you're saying this to me right now? And they were like, you've got to do it. Frank's told us to come in and get his percentage for the management fees for this fight. And I was like, fucking hell, this is just disgusting. And that's the pressure the boxing board put me under. Mm. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's because of the pressure that Frank Warden was putting them under. But it was disgusting me when I look at Do you think a lot of other boxers' careers get cut short because they're oh, without doubt, the manipulated the game, yeah, the bullshit behind the scenes? And how he got away with it, I, I'll never know, but... It, it was horrible, very, very stressful time in my life. Mm -hmm. But then you'd win, the result would, would take you to another high, but then a couple of weeks down the road, you would get another solicitor's letter, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. So when I finally beat him, I was in New York at the time in a training camp, getting ready to face Roberto Balanti in WBC Eliminator. And I remember my friend coming in and him waking me up. Uh, I was in my bed in New York. We were all in a big apartment. And he comes in, he said, it's over. And I said, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, just, he said, it's all over. He said, you've won. And I said, I, I don't know what you mean. And he said, yeah, look, he showed me an email on his phone and, and the Frank Warren case had been settled. He, he couldn't go any further in the case because of the evidence. It was stacked too much in my favour. Uh, and, and I remember just saying, thank you so much. He went out the room, I remember just sitting at the end of the bed crying to myself thinking, I, I beat him. I'm now free. I can now pursue the dream, the things that I want to pursue. Uh, the stress level was unbelievable. Because you remember, I say, I lose. He beats me in court. I'm back on the street, literally on the street. Because I'm not boxing no more. I'm going out to earn money the way, whichever way I can possibly earn it. 
And I say, when you leave school with no qualifications, you've got to do what you've got to do. As I said before, done things I'm not proud of, but I don't give a fuck. I've done things to provide for the family that I've got. My kids don't ask to be born. I put them on the planet. So whichever way I've got to provide, I will provide. Uh, and that's the, the stress and the pressure I had on my mind. So yeah. winning that then, it was like winning a world title, basically. Oh, it was great. It was boss mate. Mm -hmm. uh, Your relationship with the Helm is very strong. Yes, we, I, I trust them. Mm -hmm. And as I said... And that's key for you. You can yeah, tell the trust issues, coming from a rough area, getting fucked over. Yeah. I, I'm the same. I don't fucking trust anyone, yeah. but um, I'd love to. But every, my intuition is always right. My gut feeling is always right. I give people an inch and they fucking take a mile. Yeah. So and then I go, well, fuck it. But again, it can be a lonely journey as well. But obviously your relationship with Eddie, even that time when you totally blanked him. <laughs> it didn't start like that. With Eddie, it didn't start. When I was with Eddie, it didn't start like that. I was very, I was very, I would leave it all to my friend to deal with him. Mm -hmm. And my friend would deal with everything for me with him. Was, it, was that just, not I, because I, of him, was that just more trust well, issues? Because, because, yeah, of, because of what happened in yeah. the past. So I would say to me, mate, I want this, 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 and this. And he'd go, right, I'll speak to him and I'll sort it. And Eddie would never really, you just give us what we wanted. Because I would, I would never ask for two, I would never ask for more than what I was worth. I would just want what I'm worth. Uh, so at the start with Eddie, it was like, it was, it was just business, in all honesty. Uh, and then as time went on, and then he stuck by me at certain, start, at certain points in my career. I think the most testing time was when I lost to Don Stevenson. Because when I lost to Don Stevenson, now this was my first proper career loss. He looked massive. That broke me. He yeah. looked fucking massive. I was huge compared to him, but yeah. I was huge and fucking dead on my feet walking. Uh, that was the toughest part of my career, without a shadow of a doubt. I remember going into the Don Stevenson fight. Uh, don't get me wrong, mate. I, no excuses. I lost to the better man, but I was mm. fucked at the weight. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm in front of you, I'm 17 stone. You get me down to 12 and a half stones, fuck all left of me. Mm -hmm. uh, people who will think, I always say to them, all my words don't mean fuck all. So I'd rather just, instead of doing that, just show you the picture of it. And this is a picture of me when I still had five or so pounds to go. And I was absolutely dry to the bone. Uh, and as I say, you don't, you can't grasp. I've got two of them. I've got one when I was in. And that's when you were cutting for the light heavyweight? Yeah, it was fucking. This one I've cut and cut. What's your natural build? What's your natural weight? 15 and a half, 16, 16 stone. Shit. Now that was, I still had five pounds to go on that. Fuck's sake, man. You look as if you're on the crack, man. Yeah. Huh? Show it the camera. So, but you look solid, man. The abs and that. Oh, I'm made yet because six packs are overrated. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, so but how was your speed in that then? How was your mindset? There was another picture of. I sent her a picture when I was in camp in Canada. Mm -hmm. I sent me misses the picture, and I answered it to see, but I can't fucking find the bastard. Yeah, we can throw them up the screen anyway. Yeah. Now, yeah, this was took in Jersey City four weeks before the fight and I've got 11 pounds to go on there shit man 11 oh, fucking hell man 11 you need to send them so we can I'll send you them pictures I've got 11 pounds to go on there no way 11 pound mate that was so why so was that not dangerous then yeah it, it's bordered on dangerous you know what I mean oh, fuck I never got knocked out in the gym when yeah. I was sparring I'll never know no one ever knocked me out in the gym I'd been shook and rocked I'd never been on the floor properly down but 
I'd been shocking hairs numerous times in the gym, but never put out like a light. And now it wasn't. I'd never know looking at them pictures. Mm -hmm. But being away in Canada was hard, so tough. I'd lived away. I'd lived in Jersey City for about a month. Uh, and I, all in all, by the time I got home, I hadn't seen the kids for five weeks. Uh, that was the first time I'd been proper away through camp since England duty. Yeah. But losing to Adonis teams, I thought, I'm going into this fight. When I made weight, it was like I'd won the fight. In hindsight, looking back, I just killed myself. And there was no way of recovering. Got in the ring against Don Stevenson. Had a great third round. That was the only fucking round I had any good good in the fight. Uh, but I were putting him over. And they said it was a slip. I didn't. I hit him on the back of the head, actually, and put him over. Uh, and then after that, I was goosed. But what the referee saved my life that night, 100%. Because Michael uh, Clark... It's not, even, it's not even his fucking name. Michael Griffin. <laughs> Michael Griffin is the referee's name. I think he's the best referee in the world. But... Uh, he saved me 100%. Now, Don Stevenson hit me with a left hand on the chin and I'm asleep on my feet. Boxers end up getting hurt so much and dying in rings when they don't see the punch coming and they can't brace for it. So if you're in a boxing position and you don't see the punch coming, you're still braced, you're still ready to take a shot because you slip and you slide. You might not see it coming, boom, if you go down. But when you're completely, you can't brace yourself and you're completely floppy and they get a clean shot on you and you don't see it coming, People die in boxing rings, that's how it happens. Your neck cracks, breaks. You know, you get the brain bleed because your head hits the floor that hard. He was one punch away from doing that to me, Adonis Stevenson, and now Michael Griffin saved me 100%. Uh, so after I've lost to Adonis Stevenson, now I've gone back to my hotel room, I've cried myself to sleep. I'm heartbroken. I'm just... Me, I've, I've put 10 years at this stage, and I've put 10 years into boxing, amateur and professional, and I've got fuck all to show for it. Uh even though people think you're fighting for the world title against Don Stevenson in Canada. Do you know what? I, I, got, I don't know like that fight financially, but people didn't see what the camp cost, what this cost, what that cost. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fucking fortune. And then I get home and be alone, be old, who's got the fucking hand out? Uh, the tax man, like this. Fucking, uh, you know, you're not missing me, mate. You're fucking, you pay me or you go to jail. And I didn't fancy jail at that stage. Uh, so... You pay everyone, and, and at the end of the day, there's not that much left. Uh, and then you don't fight for how long. But at the end, to be fair, he stuck by me. And that's where I, that's where he gained me trust yeah. after the Donna Stevens. Because I'm not too sure. I, I think he definitely believed I could win. Would he have put money on it? Probably not. But what he didn't have to do is he didn't have to stand by me after the loss to Donna Stevenson. I never signed a contract with Eddie Ann. We always dealt on a handshake because after me dealing with Frank, I never wanted to sign a contract with a promoter again. Now, that's pretty unheard of, especially if I was on the verge of becoming world champion. You would have usually wanted me to sign a contract before the Adonis Stevenson fight. He didn't ask me to. Uh, now, whether that's because he thought I was going to win or lose, I don't know. But uh, as we go on further through the conversation, you'll realise that it was he trusted me as well. And I don't think he trusts very few at the end. So it, it is, it is you know, a bond that we both share. Uh, and after that, I lost Stephen Wright. I came back. I, I reinvented myself. I went up to cruiserweight. I started targeting the Welsh fella again. Uh, and I said, I want a rematch to prove that. You know, I could never fight him. I'd like to every weekend. I knew that. I said, but if I fight him at cruiserweight, I'll bully him and rough him up. And he'll, he'll never, he'll, he'll say that. The only reason the first fight was close because I got tired because I was weight drained. Eddie built us up slowly. Uh, we fought... Decent fighters on the way back through. He fought absolutely no one. Eddie gave him touches and a half. Lithuanians, everything he fought. I fought a guy called... Uh, my first fight at Cruiserweight was against the fucking knockout fella. Uh, his fucking name evoids me. 
I snapped his ankle when I knocked him out. <laughs> I'm going to punch you. Brudov, Valerie Brudov. So Valerie Brudov was the first fighter cruiserweight for me. Now, after fighting at 12 stone 7 for all my career now, I've been making light heavyweight for about six, five or six years. Uh, it's like... Was it never on your radar to go up quicker? Yeah, as soon as I won the world title, if I beat it on a Stevenson, I was moving to a catchweight mm -hmm. straight away. My plan was beat it on a Stevenson, fight Bernard Hopkins at a catchweight. Uh, and that was my plan. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it never come to fruition. So I went to cruiserweight straight away. Now, the cruiserweight difference between light heavyweight and cruiserweight is 20 pounds. So 12 stone sevens are 14 four. Uh, it's basically the best part of two stone. It was an absolute fucking, it, it's an eye opener. But don't get me wrong, the next day after fighting Donna Stevenson, I was closing on 15 stone. So I was already 10 pound over the cruiserweight limit already. You know, it had gained over two stone in a few days. So went to cruiserweight, fights Valerie Brudov. Valerie Brudov had more knockouts than I had had fights. I think at this stage I was about 21 and two or 22 and two, something like that. Uh, fights Valerie Brudov. Never been knocked out, been stopped on his feet, but that was about it. Uh, gets in the ring and I just rendered him unconscious in the twelfth and final round. Tell a lie, Ola Falabi had done him just before me uh, in the fifth round, so he had been stopped. But I said, I put him out like a light in my first fight cruiserweights. He fought uh, on the undercard, I think, an absolute no mark. Then we we does a joint top of the bill in the Echo Arena. Uh, I fight a guy called Rafael Dos Santos who'd never been stopped before. Uh, I baptised uh, Dos Santos in the fifth round with the left hook. Dos Santos was good. He yeah. wasn't too bad. So I done him with a left hook, put him out like a light. Uh, he wins his one. The build-up comes, the rematch is coming. Uh, at this stage, I'd realised Eddie wants to build us up and build us up. But to be fair, it's the only time in my career that the bastard had the kicks off me. Yeah. Uh, the, de <laughs> the deal that we done for the Cleverly fight wasn't very good in my favour. Mm -hmm. I got paid well. I made a few quid. Uh, but I should have made a lot more. So I always rip him about it. So, you know, you still owe me. <laughs> still owe me. Still owe me, Robin Cunt. Uh, and I'll always say that to him. We laugh and joke about it now. Uh, Did he save your career? Eddie? Yeah. He kept it alive. Yeah. I don't think I ever needed saving because I was always capable of that myself. The thing with me is I'm a, I'm a promoter's dream. I don't need a promoter to promote my fights and I'm going to do it for you. Yeah. I'm going to get in the telly and I'm going to say there's the word I was looking for before. Controversial. Controversial. So I'll do something controversial. Yeah. If you want me to be the bad guy, I'll be the best fucking bad guy you've ever seen. If you want me to be a good guy, I might struggle, but I'll, put, <laughs> I, I'll take you around to my house and you'll see that I'm normal. I'll let you see my family. That, that way people will see if, if people see the real me they'll see what I'm about basically I don't give a fuck about how much else besides yeah. me how was your belief system the law of attraction did you did you always believe did you always have that belief no matter from the lows in your life in your career did you always believe that you'd hold up a title because even when you speak yeah. even in your fights beforehand you do give the other boxers a lot of credit as well when you, you always get not a hundred, it's like you sit in the fence with your face, but I don't know if that's to mind fuck them. I don't know what this uh, mind game I always believed I could be world champion. Mm -hmm. With the right fight, the right opponent, the right venue, I, I thought I could be world champion. Yeah, but I haven't not got it the first time, I thought I'm fucking cursed. Then having been beaten so badly in the second time, I thought, am I just going to be that nearly man? Confidence goal. Yeah. No, yeah, confidence issues, uh, other issues going on. You, I don't know. You just think... And then in the back of my mind, I just thought, am I, am I a kid who's just destined for street life? 
even at, even going through world even, title fights, even going through world title fights and losing them, I just thought, am I destined just to fuck this off? And is my destiny going to be going back to to doing whatever you've got to do to the end up? Mm-hmm. And that's what I always thought. I thought I've always thought that I might end up in a jail cell one day. Uh, fortunately, I haven't, but I, it's always been in my mindset. I'm gonna, I know. Yeah, touch wood. I've always thought I could end up, but things have just worked out at the right times, the right things. So, as I said, Eddie didn't save me. Uh-huh. He he just he he kept believing in me. He gets a lot of stick. Oh, he does, it? mate. He gets a lot of shit. Yeah. But you know what? It's water off a duck's back. Yeah. Trust me. He thrives on it. It doesn't affect the slightest. He loves it. He wouldn't feel normal if someone come away and giving him shit. <laughs> he really wouldn't. So I'll give you shit. And I did a big long, long string of piss. Uh, he just, you know what he is? He, he's a, he's an honest man in a tough business. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I will say about Eddie and Matt Ruby is fucking honest. Never in my lifetime, and never in, and I will guarantee this: never in any other boxer's lifetime will a boxer get to the heights I got to, to the very pinnacle of the sport. The height of the height to you know match box office. As soon as you hit box office, you fucking made it. Mm. When you're looking at every penny that comes in the door, you've cracked it. When you're in control of the books, when you're in control of the bill, when you're in control of who's allowed to walk in that arena, you've cracked it. I'm good. Go as far as to say, no fighter in this country has ever had that power unless they were matching at the end. No fighter's ever had that power before. Well, I won't, uh, that's not even that's a fact. No yeah. fighter in this country has ever had the power to take such control of the career the way Eddie Ayn and Barry Ayn and Matt Boxing mm-hmm. have allowed it to happen. Yeah. Since you went in the cruiserweight division, you you cleaned up, man. You you started just smoking people out, man. It was, it was good, mate. It was boss, because I said, I just wanted to prove myself. So after I beat Cleverly in the rematch, I then fucking ends up in a Rocky movie, which is just mad. <laughs> That's unbelievable, mate. That is fucking class. I ends up. You were watching it on the drive down, man. It's Thank unbelievable, you. mate. Thank you. Because even st- uh, still best of still on, but even speaking about you on the red carpet, it just says you were a dream to work with. Yeah, he was. Uh, it was boss. It was great. I had some good times. Fucking hell. How did that come about? Fella phoned me. Everton had just been bounced everywhere. Six three against Chelsea. <laughs> Fella phoned me up. You think someone was taking the piss? Mate, told me to wind up. <laughs> I was just like, get to fuck this. Well, I'm not having this. Remember phoning me missus and saying, some fellas phoned me about a, a, a role in a Rocky movie. Yeah. And she went, oh, fuck off. What yeah. the fucking old Hollywood? What would you Don't be so naive, you stupid bastard. It's someone winding you up. And me, like a silly bastard, I was half believing and half not. I was on my way to my Indian to get my last takeaway before the Cleverly rematch, before camp started. And uh, didn't believe my phone, my close friend. Uh, and I says to him, what do you reckon this fella's phone about rocking me? He went, oh, go on, fuck off, you stupid bastard. Put the phone down on me. He said, don't be fucking daft. Lo and behold, I carried on talking to this fella. Uh, I ended up finding out where he got my number from. He got my number from Ross Barkley, who plays forever. I remember phoning up Ross and going, lad, if this is a wind-up, you're in a lot of shit. Uh, Ross in a wind-up. A week later, I found myself sitting down in a hotel in Liverpool on the waterfront, having a meeting with a couple of Jewish guys. Uh, about being in a Rocky movie, which I still couldn't believe. Mm. Uh, and, and I said to them, no. I said, I don't think I can do it. I've never acted before. After I'd said no, they made me a couple of financial offers and I still said no. Cause I don't Why? Because I just didn't have the confidence in myself yeah. to do it. The director flew in. His name was Ryan Coogler. I met Ryan Coogler and I was like, I've never, I didn't know this, who this guy was. Were you a Rocky fan beforehand? I'm always a Rocky fan. I love Rocky films. Yeah. Great, you know, and inspiring. Mm-hmm. But if the truth be known, I love Rambo more. 
Gusta. <laughs> More violence, amazing yeah, man. Maximum <laughs> violence, mate. I love it. So <laughs> I, I just Rambo appeals to me. Solid for cool Liverpool in it. More violence, the best. That's crazy. <laughs> it's mad, but. Ryan Coogler come in and all the credits has to go to Ryan Coogler. He made me believe I could play the role of Pretty Ricky Conlon. He made me think that I could act in a Rocky movie. It was all down to him. And just being yourself when you were doing it, they said you're just being yourself. Yeah, I, I, well, you listen, I didn't get asked to, I didn't get asked to play a surgeon in yeah. the ER, did I? I got asked to play a world champion boxer. I got asked to play a world champion uh-huh. boxer uh, from Liverpool. So, you know, I hadn't been a world champion at that stage, so... I had to put on a bit of more of a braggadocious kind of feeling, bravado thing, but I tapped in quite easy. Coogs was a dream person to work for, Ryan Coogler. He really was. He's brilliant. He motivated me. He helped me when I needed help. Sly was always on hand for helping hand. MBJ stuck by me all the way throughout. So them them three people were massive, massive parts yeah. in, in me taking part in that movie and me being able to do it because I know they've all said post that film, how good of an actor I actually am, but I just be myself. Mm. Uh, so, you know, whoever's taking on the Bond recruit next, <laughs> I definitely think, you know, I, like, I, have a little, I wouldn't mind a little bite of that cherry. Uh, Did you knock that boy out stone cold or that acting? I slapped him. Yeah, because it fucking looked as if you'd cracked him. He's an amazing actor. Yeah. He is an amazing Yeah, because as I do, told, it looks as if you'd put him right in his ass. I was told he's one of the best actors in the world when I first got there. Mm. Just watch his most recent film, Just Mercy. No, he is, yeah. Just Mercy, he's, he's an amazing, yeah. amazing actor. Mm-hmm. He really is. Fruitvale Station, watch, just watch the movie. Fruitvale Station, thank yeah. you later. It's an amazing true story, shit going on still mm-hmm. today, but yeah. uh, amazing film. Mate. Yeah, what a, that's unbelievable, mate. I take my hat off to you for... Thank even you. just achieving that. What was it? What was your friends treating you like? Was a stick or was it? Were they happy for you? He didn't believe it when I first told him. <laughs> I actually told him I was I was due to leave for Philadelphia on the on the Monday. I phoned a couple of my closest friends. Uh, so I phoned Dan said, "Listen, let's go and have a little knock uh, on the nine old golf course in Bellevue." And you know, it's not like he's the one to go knock golf. I'm fucking shit at golf. Mm. At this stage, I didn't even have my own clubs probably at this stage. So. We goes out, goes to Bellevale, and uh, I'm sitting there. I saw you were walking through, and I was, I've got to tell you something. And he went, what? And I went, you're going to think this is funny, but I'm not fucking joking around. I'm going to be in the next Rocky movie. <laughs> and they just went, oh, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. And I said, I'm telling you, I said, I remember I told you, I kept building up to the Cloverly fight. If I'd lost to the Cloverly, by the way, I wouldn't have done the movie. Yeah. I couldn't have done it to shame. Uh, so I said, I said to him in the Bills Club, I've got something to tell you, but I've got to wait till after the Cloverly fight to tell you. Kept going on. So on this Sunday, as I said, I went for the fucking little knock and told him, and he went, don't believe you. And then I ended up showing them the uh, text messages and stuff like that. And they were like, oh my God, I can't fucking believe this cunt's going to be in a Rocky movie. How have you done that? And I was just like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I've fluked in one way or another. And that's it, mate. He's just, I mean, mates have never seen me different. I'm still yeah. the same fat fucking, fat fucking yeah. to them there that I've been since I was 11, 12 years old. Because your, your career was, it was hitting the peak then. You were going through that transition where you were, everybody was starting to know you were getting well liked. How was it? Because usually when they bring people in for films, it's usually they're retired or yeah. at the end of their career. Your career was booming. It's mad because people are just starting to get to know the real me because I had the Cleverly rematch. Now, here's what happened. It was a mad twist. I fight Cleverly in the rematch. It's the worst fight ever on box office. Fucking hell. 
I've never heard the last of it out of Eddie Hearn. <laughs> As you all now know, I didn't get much for the fight. So if he's one refunds, go and fucking see him. He's the fellow with all the money from the Cleverly 2 fucking fight. Uh, so I, I was in a bad situation because I just fought Cleverly. Now, bear in mind, I'm so happy. I didn't give a shit about how the performance was. I, I've beat him. Everything I said, I've done. I've backed up everything I've said. I'm no longer the mouthy scouser who can't back up what he says. I said to this, I said to everyone who listened, I'll beat this fella, I'll beat him easy, I'll outwork him, I won't tire, I'll be strong down the stretch. Everything I've done, I've done in that fight. I'm not saying it was a great performance because it weren't. It wasn't because he shit his pants and didn't want to fight back. Coward. But <laughs> it is what it is. I beat him. So uh, I was like, right, I'm off to Hollywood to do this movie. I went missing for five months. I didn't fight. I done, it took me three months to make the movie. I came home and I phoned Eddie in and he was like, Everyone's forgot about you. And I was like, well, you're me, you're me promoter. You're the money. And I was like, at this stage, once again, now we st- I trust them after the Stevenson. But it's at a stage where as now I've just had a disaster performance on Sky in a box office fight, which is on head of. So it's now what am I going to do? Come back from making a fair bit of money from making the Rocky movie. You know, I had a nice touch with that. Uh, <laughs> and Eddie's got an unpod to Eddie. Eddie, I need a couple of eight rounders, and now I'll have a title fight. So fair play, he paid me well. He put me in an eight rounder on the Josh Warrington undercard in Leeds, uh, and he put me up. Sorry, that's a lie. He put me on a ten rounder in Liverpool Diaco Arena, a heavyweight. Uh, I got sick ten days before the fight, and I was on antibiotics. I fought a heavyweight. Uh, Dillian White fought him after me. His name evades me once again because I'm a punchy cunt. Uh, anyway, I beat this fucking fella up for, for 10 rounds, played with him, pinged him all over the place, come out for the 10th round, and I thought, I'm not blowing. I thought, I wasn't, I was just boxing the fight at my own tempo, putting him on a jab, slipping, moving, digging him with the odd body shot. I boxed his head off, really. I could have stopped him in one or two rounds, but I didn't have the confidence because I was on antibiotics to put it on him straight away. So I just boxed within myself. I got to the final 10th round. I stopped in the 10th round. I thought, I can open the gasket now. If I get tired, fuck it, I'll just dance for the next two minutes. Put it on and stop in the 10th round. Eddie paid me well for that fight. I then goes and says, I need one more warm-up fight. He puts me on and leads on the Josh Warrington undercard against the Southpaw. Uh, I takes it. I get rid of this kid in three or four rounds. Uh, does him. And then I'm sitting there waiting for an opportunity and I'm like, I've done the Rocky movie. I, I'm now known, but bear in mind, the Rocky movie hasn't been put out yet. Mm-hmm. The Rocky movies, it's done, but it's not. It, it comes out in the January. I'm now into the December looking for a fight. At the end, phones me up and goes, I want you to fight this fella. And I said, on what bill? He says, 16th of December, O2 Arena, the Dylan White AJ card. He said, I want you to be chief support. And I was, oh, which name is he going to say? Who the fuck does he want mm-hmm. me to fight? He said, I want you to fight a guy called Matthias Masterneck. And I just thought... He's stitching me in this concert. So this is the first time I thought this bastard's now, <laughs> thought this bastard's now agreeing to me. So I says to Eddie, why would I want to fight Matthias Masternach? He went, because it makes sense. And I went, no, it doesn't. I said, I've made a Rocky movie. It comes on January. My publicity's going to go right through the roof. I'll get a shot of a title on the back of it. He went, me and my dad have had a discussion if you can't beat Matthias Masternach, you're not good enough to win a world title. I said, Matthias Masternach has just been stopped on his feet off the WBC champion Gregory Jaws for the Russian. Uh, 
I said, besides that, he's, he's as good as fucking unbeaten. He's had 40 plus fights and the fucker beats everyone. He's a former European champion. He's a good fighting event. Do you want to take it or not? And I was like, fuck's sake. All right, I'll take it. Fuck's sake. Offer me shit money uh, for a European title fight. So I've now took the fight. In the meantime, in the tune and throne between all this, David A comes out and he's like, he does it. He does a Instagram post and says, uh, anyone can get, I'm coming back. Anyone from cruiserweight to heavyweight can get it. So straight away, I'm thinking, at this stage of me, I'm thinking, am I ever going to win a world title? I need money now. Financially, I'm not secure. Uh, I haven't bought me, owned my first house yet. I've still got my terraced house, but I've moved up to a nicer part of the city and I've I've got a mortgage on my house and the fucking mortgage is deep, by the way. Uh, so I'm thinking, can I do it? Can I do it? I thought, if I fight David A, financially, I'm secure. So I just remember putting on social media, I'll have some of their fucking Bermondsey bitch and that just caught fire straight away. Mm. So I get a phone call off David A's manager are you serious? Would you really fight David A? David didn't think I'd really fight him. He thought I was joking around yeah. for a bit of publicity. I went fucking about. Uh, if I say I'm going to fight you, I'll fucking fight you. This manager phoned me. What do you think about fighting on David's bill on the channel? Dave, I said, listen, mate, all due respect. I said, we all love a bit of Dave, but I only watch Dave to watch fucking bullseye. Let's be totally honest. <laughs> Look at what you could have won. <laughs> so uh, I said, you know, I can't do it. He went, why can't you fight? He said, you fight an unnamed heavyweight, an unknown heavyweight, and your first fight at heavyweight, and then in the second fight, you fight David on Channel Dave or on Box Office Channel, whatever it is. And I went to cards. I've gave Eddie Amy word that I'll fight Matthias Masternach uh, at the O2 Arena. And he went to me, have you signed the contract? And I went, no. And he went, well, why don't you fight? And then he said, how much are you getting? Told me how much I was getting. They offered me double. They offered me double the money to fight an unknown heavyweight. So basically a fucking crab mm -hmm. who would have fell over after the jab. Uh, and I said, no. And he went, why not? I said, because I've gave the mammy word. We shook hands on the mm -hmm. deal. He said, but it's shit money and it's a stupid fight. That's what they, they, these managers are saying. So, I so you're getting less money for yeah, a half for a, a fight, a fight, a fight. But it's a more prestigious belt, in my opinion. I love the European title. I always wanted to lift it. Mm -hmm. So I've said, no. I phoned at the end and let him know. And he was like, really? You, you're not going to take it? And I was like, no, I'm going to stick with you. David phones me. So David phones me and he goes, listen, Tony said, you don't get much of a chance in this business to make some money for yourself. Take this opportunity. You'll fight an absolute no mark and earn a right few quid in the first fight at heavyweight. And then you'll fight me and you're going to get a right few quid. We're now talking million, over a million. If you fight me in the fight, and I was like, told me Mrs. Miss, like, you fucking fight him. <laughs> you fucking, you sign that thing and you do that. And I was like, I gave Eddie me where to sign it. Once Eddie had got weird, uh, he was like, there's nothing I can do. It's on you. I said, we shook hands. He went, I know, but I get it. I understand if you do. So he didn't say to me, I can't. He said, I understand. I said, no, I'm not doing it. I fight Mateus Mastek. I beat Mateus Mastek. I become European champion. Mm -hmm. Hard fight. Both eyeballs scratched. Both hands fucked. Nose fucked. Everything. But I come through it. I nearly got rid of him in the 12th round. My face heals a little bit. I have the Creed Premier. Who only turns up at the Creed Premier? Fucking David A. Uh, <laughs> laughing and joking we was me two sons my son's at my side uh, and I'm there so he turns up couldn't believe you know what I mean what the fuck's he doing at a premiere but whatever have you David's kind of like, he, does he know what he was doing he, I don't think he's bothered about me he just wants to be seen he probably wants to be Sylvester Stallone so. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, well, the next, next one yeah you know what yeah, I mean yeah. so uh, 
it's there. I remember them standing, me, MBJ, David A, and my little boy getting a picture of my eldest lad now. And uh, I said, Corey, this is the lad who wants to be your dad up. And he went, yeah, it is. I'd smash your dad. And I just thought... I did. I'm trying to your son. To my son, I thought, just bit me lip and thought, cheeky bastard. But yeah. he said, he meant what he said. David means everything he says, yeah. but he just let me know. They calculated. Yeah, he just let me know, listen, I'm the fucking big dog here. So I thought, okie doke, you just come and watch my premiere that I'm in, son. You know, because David wants to be a movie star. <laughs> uh, he did, he had to the work. So I thought, you come and watch my premiere while I'm here sitting there glitzing with the boys. So it was a little bit of both. And then uh, I'd made the movie. I was waiting then for three or four months. Eddie Ann told me, Barry and Eddie, were, Eddie come in the dressing room after the Matthias Masterneck fight and Barry as well. And Barry said, son, you can really fucking fight. And at the end said to me, it's a world title next for you, Tom. So I promise you I'll get you a world title fight. He phoned me after making the Creed movie. Obviously made a bit of noise. Al Heyman's representatives called him. Bayabit Shumanov was a WBA regular champion. And they said, do you want to go to Vegas and fight Bayabit Shumanov for the WBA title? And I said, with all due respect, I'd rather fight for the belt out of Matalan than fight for the WBA regular title. I mean, what is a regular title? I want to fight for a world title, just get me the WBC. I've chased it all my career. That's the one I want. I'll fight Gregory Draws, no problem. And he went, Tone, just this is a shot. You're taking a yellow no. I said, no, it's not a fight for me. Don't insult me again. Another few months went by. Gets now to about February, March. And he phones me, says, I've got good news and bad news. I said, what's the good news? He said, the good news is, I've got your dream shot. I've got your shot of the WBC title. I said, well, there can't possibly be no bad news. And he just said the name, Ilunga Makabu. And I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> He's basically Adonis Stevenson yeah. with two stone on mm-hmm. uh, And I was like, fucking hell. Does it have to be him? That was my first thing, yo. And he went, yeah, it has to be. I was like, Ed, you know I hate southpaws. Can we not face him in the first defence? He was like, WBC have told me it's him or no one. Do you want to do it? I said, I've got him. I said, I have to take him on. He said, what did you think about doing it? He said, I've, I've, I've put a block on the Echo Arena for the date of the 29th of May, or the, it was the 28th of May at the time. And I was okay. I said, what about Goodison Park? Goodison will be empty at that time. Let me speak to the chairman. Phone the chairman. At this stage, I've been in a Rocky movie. The chairman advised me on doing the contract for the movie and stuff like that because he's in pantomime theatres. Mm-hmm. So the chairman was my friend. Uh, I speak to Bill Kenwright to say the chairman, and he says to me, what do you think... Uh, I said, can we do it at Goodison? He said, son, we can do it. Met with the people at Goodison. Very nearly didn't happen at Goodison because I had a smart-ass arsehole told me the only day left to do it at Goodison was a Sunday and being a smart-ass that he was, mm-hmm. only worked out it was a bank holiday Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we done it on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so we done the fight at Goodison on the Sunday. And uh, How was that when you knew you were going to fight it? That's the only fight I've never... That's the, only, the second fight I was ever nervous for. I was mm-hmm. not nervous for any other fight. Usyk fight, calm as Larry. David ate two fights. I was fucking dancing to his ring. <laughs> I was dancing in the ring to his to his Warhol music. I never felt any nerves. I was buzzing. Every fighter on me could just don't get nervous. I love fighting. Were you, did, were you, did you know you would win the fight or were you wary? The Macabre fight. Uh, because he put you in your ass the first round, I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, was it on punch as well? My mate snapped me nose that. So, <laughs> I, I makes the fight. Everything's going well. Uh, it's the only fight any of my children have ever been allowed to attend. My eldest lad, Corey. I think that was more old. pressure on you as well. Massive amounts of pressure. Mm. Oh, Corey was how old? At 10 or 11. Well, he's 15, just 10 now, yeah, so three or four years ago. He was 10 at the time when he got there, and 
I just remember thinking, fucking hell, me lads here. In the dressing room, my dressing room, the music is so loud, you can't hear anyone talk anything. I have rap music on. I'm going to kill everyone, motherfucking <laughs> mother bitch. <laughs> Fuck her, kill this, kill that, shoot that, uh-huh. this, gunshots, everything's happening in my dressing room. That's the only time my whole career, I said to Fran, turn that music down. I go, what? And I said, turn the music off. And we for 20 minutes, we listened to the Gladys Street singing my name, Tony, 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 Tony and the dressing room shook. Mm-hmm. Just... Uh, Did I, you embrace it, that moment? Uh, I just remember listening to it thinking, I remember saying to Fran, it's like a dream. This, I've dreamt of this, I've dreamt this happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the knock came on the door, you've got 10 seconds, everyone walks out, I just remember bending on my knees and just, I always, every time I, just before I leave the dressing room, I always uh, speak to Jimmy Albertina, I always say something to Jimmy. Jimmy Albertina was my coach, was from the ABC who died uh, before his time. An amazing, the best coach I ever known and met. He's just a brilliant person, uh, and that's not to say any other coach that I've had. But he was just it was the, it was him, not not just so much the coach. It was just him. He, I got him. He got me brilliant. He was a diamond, uh, and he used to always just talk to Jimmy and say, "Keep me safe and let me perform to the best of my ability." I said, "If I don't believe in all the God stuff and all that, but I would always look and think people are looking down on me, mm-hmm. whether it was Jimmy." Uh, like Terry Quinn, me nan, me granddad, I would say just watch over me and make sure that I'm that I can hold in one piece, yeah. So that's the things I do believe in. I do believe them people are watching people who I've lost over the years. I do I don't know how, but I just believe few of them. Yeah. yeah that yeah. there's certain things that I've done. So there's no other way I could have been helped or by anything else. Something's fucking something's been standing over me watching me. Uh, same thing that's standing over me and giving me four kids instead of giving me a fucking girl. <laughs> I've got four fucking billies. Who's in the fucking my name has four kids and they're all fucking boys. Uh-huh. So, uh, but that's to keep me saying, if I have a girl, I'm killing the first continent to me, dog. So, uh, bad boys yeah. standing in the door. Mate. So, yeah, I just, I walked out to the ring petrified. I've, I've never been scared. I've never been nervous. I remember walking to the ring I'm thinking, I've been going to Goodison Park every other weekend since I was 11 years old, since our Craig first took me. If I had lost that day at Goodison Park, I'd have never gone to Goodison Park. I'd never shown my face. It's the shame. Mm-hmm. It's the embarrassment. Uh, so there was immense pressure for out the ears on my arms. It was, the pressure was immense. The most pressure I've ever felt in my life was, was that night, walking the ring to Goodison Park. First round, everything's going great. I'm fucking tanking and boom, boom, straight one, two, bang, they hit him with a body shot. Uh, and he makes the noise, the noise you're all oh, you're here, one of the when you're there to fight sunk in under the ribs and he just sinks a little bit. And then as I stepped out, I thought, right, I step back in, nails him with the right hand down the pipe. I thought I'll step back out again, have another little look at him. And then as I stepped out, I lifted my chin up in the air like this, like a fucking big ostrich, mm-hmm. big stupid bastard ostrich. <laughs> and he just seen the shell, so it's just there playing his name. Boom, he hit me, and as he hit me, the punch came down like that, and then boom, snapped me nose on impact, and went down my face to my chin. So my chin actually got the second blunt of it, and that's what mm-hmm. put me, he took my legs from the neck. because yeah, you rolled back. I rolled back, my legs, everyone goes, oh, it's a bit of a balance issue, it's not that bad. Was it fuck? He hit me that hard, my legs collapsed underneath mm-hmm. me. I just went straight down like a pack of cards. Mm-hmm. Fortunately for me, I must have been practicing fucking gymnastics, because it's just, I don't know, a little bit. Smaller judges, well, like that with a 10 card. But they're all over. Uh, I got up, I went back to the corner. I'm not going to lie. Uh, 
when I, when this fight finished, I actually thought I'd knocked him out the second round. I went back to the corner and I always remember little legs. Coach, me coach Dave Caldwell. Dave was brilliant for me. Uh, he is another person who resurrected me career, taught me new things. Brilliant coach. One of the best professional coach, boxing coaches in the world. No, I don't care what anyone says. He is diligent. He is thorough. He is. He prepares you brilliantly. He's an amazing coach. As I said, with Jimmy, with Jimmy Albertine, it was different. I was a young man. You would learn how to become a man as well as being a boxer when you're in an amateur gym. But Dave Caldwell is a perfect professional boxing coach, and I've had a few. I've been to many places. I've been to New York, the, the gyms in Gleason's. I've been all around the ghettos in America, sparred and training. I've seen how people train them. Dave Caldwell is the best boxing coach I ever came across mm -hmm. as a, in the professional game, yeah. without doubt. At the end of that second round, I've just had my nose broke. I'm sitting on the stool. I was pissing around and like a tit, like an ostrich, lifted up. I'm on the floor, I'm in the corner. And the last thing you want to hear is some fucking high-pitched Sheffield fucking voice in your face. You got greedy. You got fucking greedy. Oh, mate. I'm pushing. You're already normal fat cunt of all the times to call me greedy. Now isn't the fucking time. I'm sitting on a stool. I've just been dropped and I'm like, fucking hell. And he said to me, hey, you got greedy. And I went, all right, yeah. That was the last thing I remember. That was the last instructions I remember him saying. I came out for the second round. Whatever he told me to do, he must have just told me to keep him on a jab box, do whatever. I don't know, but I'd done it. I came back at the end of the second round. I don't remember a single thing that's being said to me. Mm -hmm. All I remember is going out for the third round and thinking in my mind, this is where I remember from the third, starts the third round. I'm thinking, I've studied this guy. He gets stronger as fights go on. I've got to get rid of him soon. We're into a little trade-off. I've just got to cop him with a short left hook. If I can get him to walk onto a left hook, perfect. He starts attacking me, digs me body. As he went to throw a right hook to the body because he's a southpaw like this, he left me a little glancing on the hook on his chin. So fuck off, I whacked him with a left hook on the chin. So now it's this daft bastard's time to start running. He runs back and Lunga Makabu never runs away from anyone. And I thought, it's completely out of character. I must have hurt him bad with that left hook for him to run back. When you study fighters religious like I do, you, you pick up things, you see these faults, and they, when they do things out of character, it's because of the hate. Nails him with the left hook, I'm on him, I'm chasing him. Gets him to the ropes, gets another exchange, boom, 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 we're exchanging, bang, bang, bang again. I can actually hear Jim Watt saying, he shook him. And I thought, oh, Nick Orlum, one of them, I could hear. I banged him with right hand, left hook. This time his legs visibly, visibly dipped to me. And I thought, right, nail him to the body. You've just got to get him to drop the hands again. I only knew I needed one clean left hook. If I hit anyone with a clean left hook, they're going out like a fucking light. I don't give a fuck who you are or how strong or tough you are. If I hit you with this hammer, you're going to sleep. I sunk him with a left hook to the body and he made the noise again. I thought, I've got you. I'm so close. I just need you to want to hit me back. Because at this stage, he was doing this on the ropes. Talk, talk, slip, slip. Mm -hmm. Just tapping me. So as I've gone with the right hand, all camp... The coach had me drilling me. When you throw the right hand, drop to your left, come back with the left hook and connect. I threw the right hand and it missed. And as I threw the right hand, it missed. I dropped to the left. And as I dropped, he'd done the same lap. He'd thrown a lazy right hand over me. As the right hand came over me there, that was it, mate. It was all she was. I came across him, boom, fan it hit him. And as it hit him, fuck me. I just felt him. It's like he died. He shot. Boom, he was out just asleep. So as he's went completely floppy, like I talked to you about when fights go completely mm. floppy, I thought, I've got to get him on his way down. I've just got to make sure. 
I thrown a jab, missed, and just hit with the right hand on the back of the head as he went down to the floor. And then Mickey Van, not Mickey Van, uh, Victor Lochran. Victor Lochran stepped in and he put his arm, he waved his arms straight away. He was asleep. He hit the, his head hit the floor so heavy when it banged the floor. He was asleep. He was out for about five, ten minutes after it. Uh, and I remember just collapsing to my knees and thinking, you've done it. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I'll shoot your hands yeah, for that. I remember watching that for yeah, years. Thinking, thinking. And at that point, I've achieved my lifelong goal. Mm-hmm. That's the best way. All my life, upon until I had kids, I didn't care about nothing. I didn't give a fuck about anything. I will do anything. Whatever I've got to do, I will do. Upon having my kids, my goal was just to become world champion in boxing and do whatever I do. And I knew... It wasn't about money. It wasn't. I just wanted to be a world champion. I wanted to make something of myself. Them fucking teachers who used to laugh at me in school. The people after got expelled. You're going to be nothing. You're going to be a bum. You're going to be a fucking drug dealer like everyone else around here. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. All the nights of working on the doors, fighting with men. The the fucking time of working in the pillar factory, uh, fucking stacking pillars, fucking filling pillows, filling duvets, working in in the sports centre. And I, I, all the time, I was, all these jobs that I had working in Next, all these jobs that I had was to substitute the dream of one day becoming a world champion. I used to tell people, anyone who listened, when I was working in Next, when I was working in the Pillar Factory, when I was working on the door, when I was working as a lifeguard, I used to tell all these people, I'm going to be a world champion one day. I'm going to box Goodison Park. And they'd fucking laugh at me. Yeah, I fucking love that, yeah. man. And you've done that. Mate, you've done it, man. I, I, when, it, when that punch landed and I, and I dropped to my knees, that's why I say to you, all this pressure, all these things I've been telling people, everyone just thinks you're a lie, you're a bullshitter. Yeah. Everything I've said, I've done. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. I remember arguing with a fella. And let me finish my story. So I've hit him with the left hook. It's over. I'm world champion. They dropped to my knees and just tears flooding out of me because I've done it. There's nothing else. I've, I've done everything I said I'll do in boxing. Mm-hmm. I've been ABA champion. I've boxed for my country. I've been British Commonwealth European world champion. The only things left to do after I finished that night, Goodison Park, was to financially secure my kids' future. Mm-hmm. That's all I had. And he says that your career did really flourish after that fight. I, I wish I could have retired after that night. Yeah. I wish I could have retired after Goodison Park. If, if, if I had of mm. what I made in the next three mm. fights after Goodison, sorry, four fights after Goodison Park, if I could have, if I would have made that at Goodison Park, you'd have never seen me in a boxing ring again. Is that true? 100%. Because I know your, your wife comes into a big play yours to oh, say, I massive. need to speak to my wife. Massive. Uh, Rachel, is it? Yeah. Um, she, I need to speak to her. She, uh, that was your last four fights at the end of the fight. I think you did mention her, so I need to speak to her. She calls the shots. Yeah. And it's scary to think, but you you became box office after that. Yeah. You became mega. It's a dream. It, it's mm-hmm. a, like I said, I lived, I don't know many people in life where they are, I'm not an artist, but you listen, mm-hmm. I've lived my dream. I've lived it, and every night when I close my eyes, every time I think of boxing, I just relive my dream again. I see yeah. it over, and I don't. You can see people you're saying now how the smile in your face, mate. Half of you. It just I can't put it into words what it meant, but it was the dream come true. The blues that were in there, Tony was there. Yeah, bit fucking worse for worse than he was. Then. <laughs> he fucking, he fucking <laughs> celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> my family was there, mm-hmm. and, and I must also say there was a lot of Liverpool fans in there, thousands yeah. of them. And I thank them as well. They they showed me unbelievable amount of support. Our city is fucking horrible sometimes when it comes to football. We're at mm. each other's throats constantly, but some things surpass them. So you will everyone knows about, you know, Hillsborough and stuff like that. Oh. I'm a scouser before I'm an Evertonian. I'm a scouser first. Yeah, of course. And that comes first to me. It always has, it always will. I'm an Evertonian second. So when a scouser's fighting, 
I don't give a fuck. You got a red shirt on. I'm fighting with you. Yeah. When when a scout arguing, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm arguing with you. Mm -hmm. I'm backing you up. And that's how I believe. That's how people should be in communities and in life. Don't get me wrong. You have to be in the right, but I'm backing you up. Yeah. So I have to thank them in there as well. But it was just me. Me dreams came true. That Must night. have made everybody so proud, man, to come from where you. And that your story, brother. Gives people inspiration. Thank if you can do it, I can do it. Do you know that, what I mean? That's what I always, a great thing. I don't like going to places where I'm not really. So I always get asked to go. Will I do a talk here? Will you go mm. to a school? There you go. And, and I always say no because and I say to people, I, I'm not. Don't paint me out to be something I'm not. I'm mm. not this inspirational figure. I'm not this big fucking. I'm nothing special. I'm exactly the same as you. Honest mm. to God, I'm just the only difference is I, I fucking I get buzzes out of fighting. Yeah. I thrive on fighting. That's the only difference between us. I'm no different from anyone else. So when they ask me to talk to people, talk to kids, I only feel comfortable doing it when I go back to where I'm from, because I, I, I get that I come from. Really? Yeah, I, I come from where you all come from. And when they see me come and turn up, and I've, I've got a nice watch on, or I've got a me me cab me bed's cars nice, or I've got a nice pair of shoes on, or in a nice suit, and they go, "Where did you?" And I go, "I come from that street there. My master lives there." Yeah, I come from where you come from. You can do it. You can do whatever. You can be whatever you want to be. You just have to believe and be willing to sacrifice and dedicate yourself enough, and you can do it all. And it's all the kids I meet, the lads who are, who are managing and having in boxing, they come from similar backgrounds to me. Oh. Single parent families, tough times, fighting. You've been in trouble with the police. You've done whatever have you. I want to help them. Uh, some kids have been who I help out and look after, you know, they've been selling drugs because that's all they know, that's all they've been able to do, that's all they've known from, from growing up, seeing their own fucking parents mm -hmm. doing it. So I want to help them and I feel like I can help them people because I come from a similar background environment. Yeah. But when they asked me to go, like, I got asked to talk at Oxford University and I, and I declined. Why? Because I just said, what the fuck? These, <laughs> people, these yeah, people yeah, are yeah. fucking clever people. Mm -hmm. What the fuck am but I so are you, mate. You can't buy belief. <laughs> yeah, so you can't yeah. fucking buy belief. And Jesus. these people can read thousands of books, but put them under pressure at a business meeting or anything, their asses claps. So you've got something special. I just I just couldn't... It was Cambridge or Oxford. You know, <laughs> one of them won the big... It might have been two. Yeah. They went to the company and I've declined both of them. I said, what am I going to speak to? What am yeah. I going to say? And they were, <laughs> and people like, just... Yeah. Just to tell them how you've done what you've done. I've said, it, there's no secret mm. of how I've done what I've done. I've just believed in myself mm. and I've never given up. Why did you, you think you never felt forward? Why do you think you never... You, you had speed bumps along the way, and obviously, yeah. you're a human being, but why do you think you, you had the, the blinkers on where you just stayed in your lane and you just always believed? What was that? Rachel and the kids. Your missus. Rachel and the kids. She's your rock, yeah? It's do you think... That, what's your, your it's relationship? It's not she's yeah. rock. It's not... It, do you I think you wanted to work on that relationship so much as well because your dad left at a younger age? Possibly. Oh, massively. That's the reason why I wants to make me... Make it work? Yeah, 100%. Was your dad always 100%, in your thoughts, even yeah, at 100%. Everything. He's always behind me in mm -hmm. some way or another. I always want to better him. And everything I do. My marriage and fucking... It, and that's just because the way he's got... He's made me. Mm -hmm. I love me dad. I adore me dad. He's, he's one of my closest people today. He's like... He, he's... He's not just my dad, he's my best mate. I, I look after him, I help him, I do everything I can for him, mm -hmm. I love him. And that's not to say I don't love my mum, of course you love your mother, but I've got a different relationship with my mum. Yeah. And as you say, women, and, and fucking just women and women are just bitchy, dad, they just don't yeah. get along, it's just what's <laughs> for you. But men, I love me dad and I just, I don't know. I, I just, I, I want my kids to better me. Mm -hmm. I want my kids are better than me already. They've been mm -hmm. born into something that I could only have dreamed of. So, 
I just that's what it was, uh, and I, I could never, I never give up. I never, I'd, but hundred percent. When you said why, why didn't they give up one of its speed along the way? Rachel and the kids. Yeah. If I didn't have Rachel and the kids, I one hundred percent would have been locked up in jail. You speak about them, and you're, you're, for what I know, the last five or six weeks, it was always about them. Make your money and then yeah. retire. I know without them, I'm definitely on the street because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have stuck with boxing. There's easier ways in life to earn money than boxing. Yeah, there's much easier ways. Like after the Adonis, up until the Adonis Stevenson fight, my career was hard, but it wasn't impossible. So you know, dealing with the highs and the lows, it, you know, I got through it, but. You have to understand that if I didn't have them and I wasn't providing for them, without a shadow of doubt, I would have went, ah, fuck this. Mm-hmm. And I just went, fuck this. And I've had friends and people who I know uh, where you can really do well f- financially. Uh, so that that's the, I know for a fact that's the, I, I want, I want yeah. nice things. Yeah. I've always wanted nice things. After the Goodison fight, you were saying you were thinking about retiring, but then obviously the box. I, I was, she yeah. wanted me to. So <laughs> Monday morning, I fought. I fought on Sunday. I, I, Sunday night, didn't I? The bank holiday Sunday. So Monday uh, morning, the kids stayed in their mars. Our Cody came home with us. I'm sitting in my kitchen, uh, and I'm at this stage after the movie. Every everything that I'd earned, every penny from the movie from my career, I put into my house in where I live now. I don't live there now, I've just sold it, but I live in a different house now. So I put into this house in a nice area, and it cost me, I couldn't afford it, but all my money combined, I put it into the house, and then I still had quite a lumpy mortgage on top of it, of all my savings. It's a fucking beautiful house it was. And I finished the fight, Sun Monday morning, and I says to Rach, she said, right, you've done it, I'm looking, the WBC belt's on my kitchen counter, I'm looking at it, and oh. I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I just said, Gail, we've done it. Everything I've set out, we've done it. That's a beautiful feeling, man. It was boss, and then she went, "Well, you're gonna stop now, then." And I just went, "How can we stop now?" I said, yeah. "We've got a mortgage. I've got our, you know, this the, the World Tournament Championship fight money. That's what we had. That's all we had to our name. And believe you me, it wasn't what you'd think it was. After the taxes paid, after everything's paid, it's a, it's probably a manager's salary in McDonald's." After all your tax, all your cuts away, trainers fees, all that shit. That's what it was. So a year's worth of salary for a McDonald's manager or executive manager or whatever it is. And I said to her, What I pro-, I said, I can't stop now. I said, But what I'll promise you now is there's not many fights left. And every fight from now is about one thing and one thing only. Sure, one I said money. And I said the career is now about money. It's the only time in my whole career that I mentioned money to her. Rachel never knew one of the pieces I got for any of my fights. She never asked me. Mm-hmm. But when I said that to her, she said, okay, that, I'll agree with that. You know, she was happy for that, for me to do that. So I said, we just got to finance this career. You've got to buy this house that we're in now and own this house. Once we own this house, it's good to go. I can die tomorrow. I've always had in me thought that I'm going to die before my time. I don't know why, but it just, I've, I've sort of always planned if I died there safe and secure, before the first day of the day fight, I made the sign of will, because we weren't married at that stage. In the will, I put everything single that way, every single thing was going to go. From the houses, the cars, everything I had in place, it goes to here. So, it was, I don't know why I've had this thing, I'm going to die before my time, but I just I just think I am. I don't know what the fuck it is, something's always told me that. Uh, so I said, I've always planned. So, 
Once I become world champion and the money started building up now, I made my first defence against BJ Flores. Made a good few quid that fight. Uh, done a good crowd in the Echo Arena. Eddie done good by me, paid me really well. But I was now in control of the fights. I owned the venue, I owned the show. He showed me exactly what came in, what went out, what came in, what done this. How much Sky me paid me, how much the crowd generated, all that shit. So that's the first time I'd seen the books. And then I get a phone call off someone. I'm now world champion. And I get a phone call off a man that won't say his name. But uh, this guy calls me and he says, Tone, he said, what is a fight David A on box office, on BT box office? And I went to... How would you work that out? And he said, you're a big name. He said, and, I, and I'll give you a huge amount of money. And I went, I had to work with Frank Warren, by the way. That was one of the stipulations. And I went, well, number one, I can't work with Frank Warren. He said, no, don't worry about the money. I'm personally guaranteeing you the money. Now, this man could personally guarantee me the money. Uh, I knew he was. I know him. He's, he's an honourable man. He's a lovely, lovely fella. I get on great with him. And I said to him, I can't. And he went, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a couple of days to have a think it over. He said, but if you speak to someone over this agreement that you've got, can you please not mention that it's me who said it to you? I said, no problem. And I'm, I'm on with me. What I say, I fucking do stuff it's me with. I phoned Eddie and said, I've had a call off a man and the uh, he's offered me an enormous amount of money. Did I just say the amount he'd offered me? No. Uh, well, it was an enormous amount of money. Uh, millions? Yes. We're now talking about millions of pounds. I'm world champion. I'm getting paid well for the fight, but I'm not into the millions bracket yet. Yeah. This man's phoned me over offering millions of pounds to face David Aaron box office. Uh, I phoned Eddie. Bear in mind, I'm now world champion. Still got no contract with Eddie in. Yeah. We're still dealing on a handshake. And believe you That's me, unbelievable. I can't believe that. It, no one does believe it. Yeah. He says to me, how oh, I never made you sign a contract. I said, I always gave you my word. No. So my word is worth more than a fucking thousand contracts. I don't give a shit what anyone says. So they gave me word when after Adonis Stevenson, you'll finish my I'll finish my career with you regardless of whatever happens. And I knew I had the heights in me to get there, especially as I said before, if I come out and do fucking crazy shit or do whatever, I, I'm, I'm perfect marketability wise. I phoned Eddie and he says, Tone, you've got to take it. They would have these words. And he said, I'm not taking it. He said, I can't give you that money. I can't guarantee you that money. You are now Cruiserweight World Champion. There is no money in this division. You remember him saying to me? And I said, well, we can generate it. We can create it. So the offer's knocked back. I says to Eddie, I, now that I now know David wants to fight me, I said, but David, I've spoke to David before this. And David's like, I first saw the fight, but I don't, I'm not fucking dealing with Eddie yet. I'm not dealing for I can't fucking I don't like Eddie and whatever they they had that problem before. He told all the Addison Eddie's and I made whatever have you, but that's how it went. So I said to David, I'm happy to fight to speak to David's management team, whatever. I said, but make no mistake, you'd have to deal with Eddie and if you want to fight me. Now, I now had power in my hands now because I'm now topping bills. I'm now a name the a champion. I'm not the A-side with him because David's such a massive name, yeah. but I'm a world champion. Mm. You're fighting on Channel Dave. Let's get one thing straight. Mm -hmm. I'm on Sky Sports. I'm with Sky Sports, and I have been throughout my whole career and mm -hmm. had one fight. Uh, so David says to me, well, what do you mean? I said, I'll fight you. I'm happy to fight you, but this is the terms. You deal with Eddie and Eddie loved it. Eddie fucking wound him up, pushed him. <laughs> you didn't believe the contract that I got for the first fight. 
I took, I took sixty percent of what I'm really worth because I knew I'd beat him. Sixty percent. If I would have fought my way through, I would have ended up getting the, the better deal on what I deserved, but I didn't. I yeah, you're underdog as well. I was massive underdog. Remember, Eddie Earns' words to me was, "I think you should hold out. I think I can get you more than this." And I said, "No, I'm not taking any less." And I said, "I'm not fighting for less." He said to me, "If you hold out, I reckon I'll get you to the percentage that you want." I didn't. I took the slightly lesser percentage than I should off. Uh, and as I said, don't forget, I was bringing the skybox off to the table because without me, Eddie, they they weren't getting on skybox office. Yeah. So we ended up doing it. Uh, we're fucking, we're at it, mate. I've cracked him fighting David Day. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, David thinks I've only took the fight for the money. The money's a big factor. He doesn't either, does he? No, he, he, he doesn't. He watched me fight BJ Flores in my first defense. BJ Flores is his mate. So when I fought BJ Flores, this is my first defense of the title. I didn't want to fight BJ Flores, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I, well, I used to think he was a knob. <laughs> This fellow followed me around everywhere. When I moved up to Crusade, he was calling me all the names under the sun. <laughs> I'm a blown up light heavyweight. I haven't got a clue. I'm shit. I'm this and that. He turned up at the Khadib Premier with his high. Uh, and the two of them just ridiculed me. Uh, you know, they basically. And BJ Flores just followed me around like a fucking no mark. Uh, you can take out, actually. I do get on with them these days. <laughs> so uh, he said to me, BJ Flores says, I said, I said to her at the end, I want to fight Demetrio Kucha. Demetrio Kucha had just beat me mate, Enzo Macharelli. And I said, no. He said, no. He said, that's not a good fight. He said, Demetrio Kucha's a good fighter. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, let me. He said, he said, why don't you fight BJ Flores? And I said, oh, Ed, he's a fucking knob. He's a typical Yankees, all mouth, no substance. He fucking goes on and on. He's fucking this and that. He said, he's David A's good mate and it'll build up the fight between you and him. This is before this. This man had made this phone call to me. So then I says to her, uh, at the end, all right, I'll fight him. I fucking got battered BJ Flores. I slapped him down like a fucking ragdoll, a cat with a ball of wool. Just boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd done him. And then, me, me one stipulation was fighting BJ Flores. I said, David, he's got to be ringside commentating. I said to Eddie, make sure he's there working. And he went to me, why? And I said, don't worry about why. It's the only fight in my whole career. I've gone into the ring with an agenda. Mm-hmm. I was going to do, I was going to cause murder yeah, with David yeah, after yeah, the fight. He kicked all this stuff. Because I kicked yeah, the yeah, toe, yeah, yeah. I advertised the toe, and I said, I'm going to kill you. I went to do this and that. I was never going to get my hands on him, let's be totally honest. And people say, well, that's pantomime. It's not, because if them screws guys wouldn't have jumped in the way, then I would have been forced in a position to crack him, and I would have, because I couldn't look the cunt by jumping. See, when he does get it, it's fair play to him, man, on these fucking rivalries. He throws punches, he threw glasses, and he doesn't fuck about, man. He must be a top big Mate, can't... he's not. He's not soft. Yeah. David, mate, David can have a fight. Yeah. David can have a fight in the street, and he can have mm-hmm. a fight in the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not fucking soft. Have you seen him with Chisori? He's game as fuck. <laughs> yeah, he cracked him with a bottle, does it not? Or a cup? He had a bottle yeah, and yeah. he punched him and the bottle came out mm-hmm. and smashed. But, so, I, if I, when I jumped off the ring to get mm-hmm. him, I knew the security would get there before me. But if he wouldn't have, I'd have fucking traded punches with him yeah. there and then. You have to, I'm, I'm so hyped up. Yeah, yeah. But I put myself in a predicament where I've got to do something. Yeah. And I knew by doing that, everyone would want to see it. So I knew, like I said before, I don't need a promoter. I'll make the fight for you. Yeah. You just do the negotiations. I'll make everyone want to see it. Mm-hmm. I've done it. I beat up uh, BJ Flores. I, I caused made with David Day. I got over eggs. I got over, uh, what's it called? I, I I went too far with the fucking, I got over excited. I got over excited in the post-fight press conference, in the post-fight interview in the ring. Mm-hmm. I, I I called him SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> I was meant to call him Sideshow Bob. Uh-huh. I'm fucking. <laughs> I just must have watched uh-huh. too many cartoons. Really just fucking SpongeBob yeah. SquarePants that week, but 
I just called him some stupid story in my life. Mm. Uh, anyway, the fight got made. Uh, he dealt with Eddie Earn. Mate, if you'd have seen the contract I had to sign when I fought David Day the first time, you'd have thought I was fighting fucking Tina Turner. Yeah. It was ridiculous, <laughs> mate. You must be seated when I walk into the press conference. You must mm-hmm. do this. You must adhere to me as this. I must be there at that. I must do this. I remember saying to Eddie just two things. That's all I'm asking for. Can I pick me shorts? Yes. Can I pick me gloves? Yes. So sign the contract. Mm-hmm. Eddie, I think I can get you better, a bit more on this, a bit more on that, get there. And I like, Ed, just sign it. Mm-hmm. I said, is there a rematch clause in there? He went, no. I said, are you sure? And he said, there's no rematch clause. And I said, just make sure you sign it. There's no rematch clause. I remember signing it. There was no rematch clause. I knew I was going to beat him. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, man. Mate. Absolutely. And to be fair, man, no matter if he comes across as a bit of a dick, he was still a world-class fighter. Everyone always says to me, nah, David A. shot a bit. He was finished. Well, the two fights previously, when he knocked out them two heavyweights mm-hmm. and clean out the both of them, no one was saying David was finished, but yeah. all of a sudden, because I beat him, yeah. he's finished. You know what I mean? It's just either beat any fucking yeah, David. You're at the peak of your game, man. Styles yeah. make fight. Don't get me wrong. The best part for me was I'd become a full blown cruiserweight after becoming world champion. Yeah. Five, six, seven fights, whatever it was, a cruiserweight. I'm now full fledged cruiserweight. Going up to the heavyweight division to face him was perfect. I no longer had to make weight. And I, I allowed my body to just train mm. and eat clean. And what I'd be at, I'd be at. Yeah. So I was 15 and a half stone all the way through the hay camp. I lost four or five pounds a week of the fight just to lose a bit of weight. What way did down. he go in? He came in at we'll 16, or just under yeah. 17, 16, 8 or 16, yeah. 9. So how was it when you, because you absolutely, you were bossing every round. How was it, how is it for you for a trainer, for your trainer? Because sometimes your tactics look as if they go fucking out the window and you just love swinging. It turns into a... The, the first fight battle. where he gets injured, so... Did you hear anything click or anything? Not in the first fight. It was going five rounds in. I knew David would start fast and I knew I'd got under his skin so much he wanted to fucking kill me mm-hmm. and literally kill me. So I'm in the I'm in the fight and, I, and my plan was make him miss for three or four rounds, keep nailing him to the body, zap him, and then after five, six, seven rounds, you'll be on him. In my opinion, after five rounds, I think he's winning 3-2 after five rounds. I think he's up 3-2 cause purely because he's putting pressure on. He's not landing much of any notes, but he, he's coming, he's walking at me, he's walking me down. Five rounds pass at the end of the fifth round. Just go back, anyone watches the fight, and you see me at the end of the fifth round. I said to David, You are blowing out your fucking ass. Your ass is mine. Now I said, You are finished. And I've got the picture on my phone where I said to him, I'm standing in the middle of the ring with a glove on and I'm laughing. I'm just watching back at the end of round five. And then fuck me, he comes out for round six and there's Achilles blow. And that was just another fucking stealing my glory because I was on the verge of knocking David out the exact the way I performed in the rematch that's how the first fight would have went yeah. for the next two rounds I'd have knocked him out at around six or seven I think mm-hmm. seven or eight sorry I had six I'd have broke him down slowly more body shots but I just I could it, it, as soon as his Achilles went I lost my mind I just wanted I then wanted to just take his head off his neck mm-hmm. and and that was one of the very few times in my career where I completely all the game plan went out the window and I just started swinging with him. Yeah. stupid but Dave Caldwell <clears throat> kept whinging at me, whinging at me, moaning at me, and I wasn't listening to him all through the fight, to be fair. It was one of my worst displays. From round five, from round one to five, it was a very good display. Mm-hmm. I was defensively brilliant, making him slip, slide, roll, digging him with body shots, coming back with the odd counter. It was a very Bernard Hopkins-esque mm-hmm. performance from me. Slippery, clever, using the rounds, breaking them down into small sections and just making him slip, slide, roll. In the second half of the fight, probably the worst 
six rounds and my career, round five to 11, until yeah. I stopped. It was only in round 11 where I nailed him with a left hook heavy on the top of the head, really heavy, and it hits him on the temple, and he just falls through the ropes. Now, people think I pushed him through the ropes, his legs collapsed underneath my ass, I'm not hard on the temple. Did it's... you not want the fight stopped at some point yeah. you know, after that? But that shows you as, you as a fighter, not just as a, a boxer, but... A genuine person that you had seen someone being hurt. By. I never hated David. Eh? Yeah, I never hated David and all the build-up. I never. He went too far a couple of times when he said he was going to put me in a coma. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, he said he was going to visit me in hospital. But I look, but I understand why he said it. We were having banter constantly, and we it got a bit nasty when he punched me at the first press conference. But I never took it personally. Now he knew nothing was getting to me, so he had to do something or say something that was going to really get to me. And he knew that there's nothing in this world you can say to me, sticks and stones, I don't give a fuck. You can say anything to me, it won't get to me. But he brought me kids up. And and, and he thought I'd get, and for the first 20 minutes after he said it, I was, it did really get to me. And I thought, you are not enough. Yeah. And then I remember coming away and speaking to me, missus, and I came home uh, after he'd said it. And, and, and I said, so you've got to go away for this fight. She said, what do you mean? She'd never done it before. I said, you've got to go away. I want you to go on holiday. She don't be fucking stupid. I said, go, please, go on out there. I said, I said, this is the one fella who, in my first time in my whole life, who can genuinely hate me. I said, Rage, I said, if it goes wrong against this fella, I could end up dead because you know I'm never going to give in. Mm-hmm. Like, I will never back down. I'll never, no matter how big you are, how hard you hit me, I'm going to keep coming until I've got nothing left. I said, and David's vicious. He wants to hate me. So she went, okay, I'll go away. After she's seen the comments, she started crying. She's seen on Sky Sports. And because Sky Sports, fuck him. We want to sensationalise the fight, Sky Sports News. So they showed his comments, what he said in the press conference. And he lost it with all scousers in the press conference. He fucking started saying, your mother and all this. He just lost his marbles. He, he just, he just, just <laughs> very unlike David, but he, he completely lost it. But uh, as I sent him on holiday, done the will, got everything put in place. That's went, fucking scary, man, to be doing a will, thinking that you might never come out the ring again. Neither you've got it, but I say, I, I've always had that mentality, I'm going to die before my time. And I just thought, if I'm going to go, it'll probably be against him because he's the one person who's capable of hating me. And he's the one place, the person who'd do it because he's vicious. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's fucking brilliant. So he should. Mm-hmm. It's a boxing ring. It's what you sign up for. Uh, but he is the one man who could have really hurt me. And he hits the hardest by a fucking mile. Mm-hmm. Believe you me, mate. I had a headache for four days after the first fight. Yeah. Four days and my head wouldn't stop ringing. After that victory, you seemed to really enjoy that as well. Oh, yeah, well... Everyone expected me to, to go nuts and, and rub it in his face because mm. of the bad, nasty build-up we had, but I didn't. I've known David for since I was 21, so, you know, d- 15 years I've known yeah. David. But he seemed to give you, give you a lot of respect after that fight. He, understood, he knew I wasn't false, and yeah. he knew I wasn't... He knew I was better than... Mm. Watching me on video... Is one thing I look when I watch myself, I think I look shit. I don't think I look stylish, I look skillful. I think I look really easy to hit. I look slow, I look ponderous, and, and I wait too long. David watched me on video that made the criminal mistake, and he watched me probably against BJ Flores' mate. I was fucking dreadful that night. I mm-hmm. just went in there and punched his face and traded punches with him. David thought, as soon as I'm, I'm going to cop him in the mm-hmm. first round, David's word before the first fight was, You have no say in this fight. I will end this fight whenever I want. He said, you are going unconscious and there's nothing you can do about it. And I remember going, okay, David, don't worry, it's sad. I said, but I just want to let you know, after this fight, 
even though there's no rematch clause, I'm going to give you a rematch. Mm. And all the whole room started laughing, all the media laughed at me. David laughed, even fucking Eddie Emmy promoted that next, he was laughing at me. Mm-hmm. He said, give him a rematch, fucking idiot. <laughs> He's fucking funny, Emmy. <laughs> so they were all laughing at me. Mm. And uh, I just I just went in there, mate, I got the job done. Mm. And as I said, it was great memories that I have of that, of that build-up and fight, but... To put things into context, yes, I beat David Hay, I knew I beat David Hay. Mm. The payday that I made from that, it it it, it made me more that one night than my career combined four times over. Yeah. My whole career combined. Mm-hmm. I made more that So you were fighting for your family that night? That night was purely about the financial mm-hmm. goals. I'm beating him because I knew once I beat him, I'm a fucking boxer. I was taking his mantle. Yeah. I was taking his box off his name mm-hmm. with me. I knew I had so much to gain that night. And it was just coming to, as yeah. I say, it was coming to fruition, mate. As I said, once the Creed movie dropped, I'd just be, become European champion. My career just spiralled up and up and up and up and up. And I was in control of it. And and, and I was just, everything went perfect. Your rematch with him, you, you seem to be better in this, the rematch than you were in the first fight. Mentally, I was much, much more focused. And that was purely because I'd lost my brother in the August. Yeah. So I was supposed to fight David A in the August. Uh, sorry, turn light. I was. I thought David Hay originally the first fight was on the May. He busters Achilles tendon, didn't he? The rematch was set for December. In between that, uh, May the fifth period and the December for sorry, not May the fifth, March the fucking March the fourth. I thought David Hay. Yeah, March the fourth at the O two. Uh, in between the March period and the December period, where the rematch was supposed to happen in December, he healed. He done whatever. Me. Me, Bird's brother, me, me brother Ashley went on holiday uh, to be his his best mate, best man, and he never came home in the August. Uh, same man McGregor fought Mayweather, so when he never came back, I was supposed to fight David in December. Me world just collapsed. That's the best way of saying. It. And people think why well, I don't believe in God because if you believed in God, how the fucking hell is a thirty-two-year-old young man just comes home, just goes on holiday? And never comes home. There's two daughters. You know what I mean? It's fucking. It's heartbreaking. Oh, mate, it's the worst part of my whole entire life. Yeah. Uh, the amount, and I always hear people going on about depression and things like that, which it pisses me off a bit these days. How much people play on the word depression? You wouldn't know what depression was, and if you really did feel it, me, you'd, you'd really. Un- mm-hmm. It's a horrible thing. Crying yourself to sleep every night. I went back to to camp. I lost Ashley in the August. And I, I was a selfish cunt. I needed to get out the house because my life was just a mess. Uh, my missus was finished. Uh, it nearly finished us. All of us, our whole family. And I remember going back to camp and I, I started fighting just to get just to get out the house. I said, fight David Day in the rematch December. It's all done, sound. I went to Sheffield. I was in Sheffield for four or five weeks and I just, every night for four or five weeks, I just cried myself to sleep in a fucking hotel holiday in express and it was just horrible the worst time of my life fortunately enough for me David A pulled out the fight he now this time he fucking busters his his bicep he done his bicep Uh, honest to god if I'd got in the ring in that December I'd have done something crazy I'd have done something mad full of rage and anger I might have bit him I might have kicked him I might might have elbowed I would have done something crazy because I was on the breaking point. So that's the closest I've ever come, I reckon, to having a breakdown. Yeah. I was just a lonely, fucking horrible place. I just couldn't put nothing together. Just arguing with my missus all the time. Uh, and we just couldn't work it out, you know. Yeah. Ashley was just gone, and it just... But that shows you the strength of your character. 
because you come back and you come back even stronger. I think everybody that watched that fight was crying at the end as well because you could see the emotion. You're clearly a man who wears your heart on your sleeve. You don't fuck about. Your loyalty is raw. It's there. But again, brother, you feel your presence. You feel family presence. And you you said you felt someone in that ring. And that shit, mate, you can't buy. You you did yourself proud and your family proud. So first of all, I'm proud of you. Um, because it was hard. Just coming back from that, it was yeah. just so hard. It was a... Uh, it was just such a horrible place to be in. As I said, I just didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Me, you know, your kids are seeing all this. Me kids have been exposed to it. And it's fucking hell. I mean, yeah. baby boys, uh, and losing their uncle like that. And as mm-hmm. I said, it's just so so sad. And and, and we and we have no closure at all. Whereas the, there's people involved who know a lot more than us and don't don't tell us the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sad and heartbreaking. It really really yeah. is. But. What can you do? You're gonna move on. We honor this. We honor them now, and we do everything we can to remember them in the best light. He's yeah. such a lovely lad. This is why I have a little bit of a uh, soft words towards Liverpool Football Club now. The honourable bastards. <laughs> he, he was. He was a cockite. I used to. I used to be the worst bitter Evertonian you'll ever meet. I fucking hated Liverpool Football Club. I still do in Liverpool Football Club. I'm being honest. But why? When Ashley died, a part of me just just died with it, and that was it. Me hate yeah. towards them, and then also just. I don't have anger made towards anyone these days. Mm-hmm. I really don't. As you know, brother, life is too short. As well. I just don't have it, mate. I don't no. have any grudges towards anyone. I used to, I used to hate Frank Warren. I don't hate him anymore. Yeah. I just don't have. I don't have it in me. I just don't hate anyone. Oh, there's people who are dislike. Yeah, there's people course. who don't want to be around because they're negative, and there's people who have been a bad presence around me. But I don't hate anyone. Yeah. And there's people, loads of people yeah. out there have done bad to me and done yeah. wrong to me, but I don't hate you. Mm-hmm. I don't hate you. I don't. Like, I don't wish you no harm on anyone. Yeah. yeah. And that and that came with him when he passed away. That definitely would change me. I yeah. just don't wish bad on. And then, see the world differently. Yeah. He was such the nicest person you could wish to meet. Mm-hmm. The 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 life and soul of the party. Fucking loved mm-hmm. to party. Yeah. If if he was here now, mate, let me tell you, fucking hell. He declined. <laughs> he declined up that lava building and got ball hole. And showing his ass to the fucking world. Yeah. You know. He would have fired him fireworks. Yeah. Really, I'm telling you, he declined up there naked. Mm. And mm. it's fucking, it would have yeah. that long. Nearly fucking 30 yeah. years. Took them bastards to win the league. <laughs> so it's, you know what? It just, at least you've got a lot of good memories. And that's a beautiful so, thing. And even bet you when Liverpool won the league, he would have probably been the first oh, fucking thing popped into your head. Yeah, he was. I sat there. Uh, didn't he won it when Chelsea lost? Uh, Chelsea beat City. Was it yeah. Wednesday night? A Wednesday night, because me and Miss sat there. My missus was a bit upset, and we just sat there, and I was happy. Mm-hmm. I, I smiled, I was laughing with her, because yeah. she's a cop, I mean, babe, she's a fucking horrible red. <laughs> so, so she's just, we sat there, and we just laughed, and we just thought about him. Yeah. Because all he'd almost followed Liverpool everywhere. He just went everywhere with them. Uh, and what it had meant to him. So a part of me is happy, don't get me wrong, don't fucking mix it up. Yeah. I didn't want them to win the league. Yeah. I don't fucking wish them to win the league. <laughs> but when the bastards have won it, I'm just, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy purely for them. Yeah. And I fucking hate them, mate. I mm. really do. But <laughs> he's, he, you know, he was so many things to, to us that we meant. And you don't realise it. One thing I'll say to people is don't fall out with, you know, there's loads of families, they don't get on. You know, I didn't speak to my brother for a, a good number of years. Uh, the first time I spoke to him in about four or five years, maybe longer, was when Ashley died. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone has problems in the family. Everyone has issues, but trust me, working out and sort it out because it's just too short. Yeah. And if they go, you never want it to end on them on them kind of circumstances. Uh, I loved Ash. Lived in my house. 
Uh, it was that first house I told, told you that I'd bought mm-hmm. uh, in Old Swan. He was living there when uh, he passed away. So Al always comes to me as well. Our first house in his first proper house. So yeah. just a, a lovely lad. The life and soul of the party, I'll always miss him. Now, the day goes by that I don't think about yeah. it. And I'll say, what I say to you, I don't believe about fuck all in the church, praying yeah, all that yeah. shit. I believe 100% he's watching that yeah. and looking at us. He like, used to always, used to cheekiest bastard. <laughs> I remember he'd turn up at my house and he's the only person in the world who'd come in and he'd be sitting there and he'd go, hey, Hans, how much did you pay for that? How much did you pay for that? How much did you pay for that? And I'd be like, fucking hell, lad, you're fucking quizzing me. How much did you pay for that? for the corpus. You bouncy bastards. Just things like that. Or you'd have a watch and he'd go, yeah. how much did you pay for that watch? <laughs> fucking shoes are nice. Yeah. How much are they? Just, he's just yeah. a cheeky fucker. But he, he wouldn't, there was no malice in Ash. He no yeah. He was just such a good, good person. Uh, yeah, good, good times. Yeah, that's a great feeling. That's, that. what, yeah. that's what changes. So when I... Fight carrying on fighting. Uh, the David A rematch, I was so focused. I said I'd cried all the tears I could possibly cry in the build up to that fight in camps. And I say in the December, if the December fight would have happened, I'd have gone nuts. I was yeah. on the edge of a breakdown. Were you scared going into that fight because your sister's just lost her brother? Mm-hmm. Um, you've lost a p- good person. You've lost. Don't a brother. Maybe basically lost a brother. Did you think maybe if you get that fight, you could potentially lose you? Did I, I stop think, you from retiring? If I'd have fought him in December. I'd have done something. I'd probably end up getting locked on. Because I'd have gone nuts in the fight. I'd have fucked off out. I'd have gone nuts. I'd have gone to... I'd have probably started drinking or so. I'd have, I'd have fucked up everything. Yeah. Because I was that. I just didn't know what to do. When I, David A pulled out, saved me. I Once again, someone's fucking watching. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. He pulled out. And then when he pulled out, I said to me, Mrs. I don't know why I feel better, but I went home straight away. Mm. I remember leaving all my gear in the gym and just said to Dave, I'm going. Uh, He'd found out. He pulled out. I got home, and I, I just, I just didn't move out the house for a good few days. We just stayed at home. We used to talk, me and my missus, whatever have you. Uh, we got through Christmas. I remember I usually go on the ale with my mates on Boxing Day, and and I'm, when I go on the ale, you know, I have four pints and I'm fucking finished. <laughs> it's not like I can do ten pints yeah. with the lads. Four pints of Guinness and I'm fucked. Spew up the fucking two pints and then you know fucking try to spew up the other two pints. So. I'm just not a good drinker, but I drink to get absolutely fucked. On Boxing Day, I had a few bevies. I think must have about five or six this day. So my bear picks me up from town. Must have been about nine, ten o'clock. I'm spewing up at the side, spewing up. I get to bed. Uh, I woke up the day after Boxing Day. I said, we're going on Aldi. Sure, what do you mean? This is the first time in my life now. I've I'd beat David A and I've ever been able to just wake up and go, we're going on Aldi. Financially in a position. She said, well, we haven't booked none. I said, we're going to, let's go to Disney World. We're going to Disney World for New Year. The next day we went to Disney World, me and all the kids just went to Planet Hollywood mm-hmm. and stayed there for two weeks. And it was the best. When we were there, most mornings we'd get up crying. Two of us, she'd be sobbing, she'd be crying or it'd upset me and I'd go on the toilet and cry. I would never be crying for them. I didn't want to upset her. I've always had the theory of it's her brother. So I can never be upset in front of her to start the emotions off. I'll go away. Try to be the stronger one. Yeah, no matter see. So we were taking in turns and uh, it's only now when we look back, we say that was a boss holiday. We had a great time. What we done is we got over it. We, you're never going to get over it, but yeah. we helped grieve. That help, place helped us grieve. The kids had a lovely time. Fucking Florida, Universe Studios. Uh-huh. Disney it was fucking boss for the kids. We had a lovely, lovely time. So it helped us in different ways. I came back and I went straight to camp. Came back in January and I done basically five months on and off camp. Don't get me wrong, I've done me solid 12, 14 weeks as usual. But I'd, 
the David A rematch was the best shape I've ever been in in my life and didn't have to make weight. The best shape. Everyone would go, well, who sick was? Because look at how you look. You'd had this fucking six pack of yeah. weight. When I fought David A, I weighed 15 stone on the nose and I was fucking perfect. Me camp, everything was good. Don't get me wrong. I fucked me rib up, cracked me rib the week before, the 10 days before the fight. Uh, what was that kid's name who'd done it? Black kid from London, fuck me, he was powerful. A uh, big cruiserweight. I forget his name, his name evades me, but he was fucking, he wasn't half heavy and he cracked me rib. Last day of sparring, uh, well, in the last week of sparring. So, but going in that fight, I was in unbelievable shape. And when I got in the ring against David, I switched off from everything. Emotionally, I, I just, I detached myself. I looked at him. I'd studied the mistakes he made in the first fight. I would look at him and I could just see one all the mistakes he made, everything was like a laser like folks. Everything was, I could move, I slipped him, I slid him, I dropped him, I ate him, body shot. Everything he'd done, I had an answer for. It was the most perfect night I felt in my career. That's the best I've ever felt. It's the best I've ever performed. Yeah, I thought but you went class. That's my best performance. I just, I pimp, I was pinpointed everything he'd done. And, and he'll go, people will say, oh, well, he was finished at that stage. You've got to look, this time, he took me seriously coming into the rematch. His career was on the line, so he had massive pressure. Mm -hmm. I was also had a lot of pressure on me because everyone thought I only beat him because he had one leg in the first fight. This was the talk. I'm just saying what everyone else was saying. Mm -hmm. I had only beat him because he had one leg. Going in the rematch, if I get knocked out now, it's massively embarrassing because you fucking didn't really beat him the first time because you got lucky. So two of us had massive pressure, but in the my, back of my mind, I just, all I think about was, I've got to get this job done. I didn't think about Ashley for fucking them 36 minutes. He didn't enter my mind the mm -hmm. first time and in how long that he just didn't come into my mind. Uh, and then I remember looking out after the fight and as soon as I looked, I sat Neil, his brother, Colin, his brother and his dad, Billy, Rachel's brothers and dad, and I made them leave one seat spare and the seat spare was for him because he'd have been ringside there with them and that was when I just broke down. So so then it all came out then. I was happy that it came out, but no, everyone looks back and goes, why is he kind of fight? They don't understand that the yeah. shit that I'd gone through and the build up to that fight it was an end. But that shows you the fight that's in you. And going through all that, mate, is unbelievable. And the respect, mate, is, is there from everyone to see. That's why you're so well respected. Thank you. Your very last fight, Usyk. Usyk. Yeah. Who's an absolute beast who's probably... The best cruise weight in my opinion. Yeah, pound for pound. Yeah, so going against that, how were you going all out then? This was your moment. Very odd. Don't you know what? I got married. I saw Fort David in the May. Uh, May the 5th. And then in the rematch. And then I got married on July the 7th, same year. In my mind, I was retired. Eddie just said to me, listen, you fucking, you've cracked it, you've swam the channel, you've made so much fucking money mm -hmm. in these fights that you don't need to ever think about money again. And he was right. You know, we'd done well. Uh, I mean, by the way, I'm skint. Me, me, <laughs> me, wife, tax, man. me wife's loaded, but I'm fucking skint. Uh, so I'd made mm -hmm. a fortune. So I just said to him, uh, okay then, well, I suppose we'll call it a day. I got married on in the July. Eddie's at my wedding. Uh, probably one of the only people in the boxing world that's at my wedding. So, mm -hmm. you know, David A. Sorry, you know, at the end, Derek Chisora, James DeGale. So, as a lovely wedding, I goes on my honeymoon. I'm on my honeymoon. And uh, some fellow makes me look on the phone. He goes, you're watching this, the, the world WBSS finals. And I was like, mate, got a fucking big bottle of champagne <laughs> in my hand. My fucking new wife's here. I'm fucking, I'm drinking me fucking... Brain out, I'm having a fucking laugh, fuck off. A couple of minutes went by and I thought, 
too sick for that. I'll just go and have a little look. So I said, my missus, enjoy that drink. And she was talking to someone. <laughs> I said, I'll be back in a mission. Where are you going? I said, nah, no way. You don't need to know. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. I'm before the I'm watching this fucking fight on, on his phone like this. So before the know it, the people have been talking in the place. And it, the fellas got it on the screen. I'm watching on the screen this place. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Let's go fight this U6 fucking brilliant. He just played with Gassiev from start to finish. Gassiev couldn't lay a glove on him, didn't do fuck all. Uh, slow feet, can't beat him with them. So at the end of the fight, I thought, oh, yeah, not Novi. And then I thought, let's go fight, that's it. But I'm retired now. There's no need for me to fucking think about him. And I just did Tony Bellew. And I thought, cheeky. <laughs> I thought, you cheeky bastard. And, I, and then he said it again. I thought, I thought, I thought, why fucking eating things? <laughs> this is why you shouldn't go out <laughs> and get pissed with your phone on you. So I goes in the toilet, my phone's out of the air. But about one o'clock in the morning, and making us or two o'clock in the morning, I says, You get me that fucking cunt. I said, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to take his head off. Eddie Ian says, Tone, you don't need that fight. He said, You're financially secure, everything's sound. Why do you want to fight him? I said, He's just called me name out on the telly, Ed. I said, He's got all them belts. Imagine becoming undisputed cruiserweight champion. He said, You don't need it. I said, I'll tell you what, if you don't make the fight, I'll go on my social media now and make the fight. It's all right, all right, I'll sort it out. Don't worry about it. the fucking thoughts of Eddie losing a pound. He fucking soon going to find that. So I don't remember anything else. I remember having that come, but in all honesty, I don't remember having that conversation. That's a lie. I'm mm-hmm. just telling you what Eddie's told me over the years. Mm-hmm. What I do remember is waking up on a Sunday morning and having the worst hangover ever because I don't drink, as I said, drinking champagne with me fucking misses all night after an honeymoon. It was mad. Eddie says to me, uh, I thought, shit, what's he phoning for? Goes in the toilet and answers the phone where she can't hear what we're talking about. <laughs> Veddy's calling, it's going to be something to do with boxing. So, he goes, the fight's done. Man, what are you talking about? He went, the fight's done. He said, he's agreed to everything you want. You know, you're the man. It's on your terms. It's your bill. He'll take a flat fee, whatever. And I was Ed, what are you He said, you sick? You phoned me last night and told me to make the fight. I said, no, I fucking didn't. <laughs> he said, yes, you fucking did. I said, oh my God. <laughs> he said, it's all agreed. He said, Are you messing around? You don't so you don't want it. And I went. And once again, I said, Yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. And he just went sound. That was that. We came home from Mechanos. And because we'd been on our honeymoon, we only went on our honeymoon for four days, but Miss wouldn't leave the kids any longer. Uh, and we went straight to Portugal to Villa Mora. And while I, I, at this point, my missus didn't know I took the fight. She thought I was going to be with Be scared. Yeah, I was fucking... I just got a little more pissed on the rest of the enemy, to be honest. So I just kept drinking, and then I started drinking through the day. She must have been thinking, fuck hell. Is he so happy with this manager? What's what he got coming? And we went to Portugal with the kids for a little extra break after the honeymoon. And in Portugal, I said to her, uh, Rach, I'm, I'm flying Dave Caldwell out. I said, what, what the fuck are you on about? And I said, I'm flying Dave out. I'm going to start camping. I'm fighting Usyk. And she went, you said he's the fucking one person who could really hear you because he, you, you just wouldn't stop. You said that he, he could fucking, he's a brilliant boxer. I said, listen, girl, I'll fuck him. I said, don't worry about it, I'm going to beat him. I've watched him, he's not that impressive, I can catch him. And she was like, but if you know, how much punishment are you going to take trying to catch him? Why are you doing it? You don't need to do it. And I said, listen, it's an opportunity to fight for the undisputed championship of the world. All the belts things that I couldn't even, my dreams didn't allow me to dream this. I said, so I've got to take it. And she's like, you haven't, well, we don't need the money. Why are you fighting? So we argue for a couple of days. In the end, she went, well, you, it's your fucking dream. You want to fulfill it, you go and do it. I've done it. I don't regret it. 
Great, brilliant fighter, brilliant fight. Camp went good. I thought it was a great fight, man. I thought it's you were all about it. I'm doing well. I'm doing well for six rounds, and then I'm, I'm actually fucking knackered after seven. I'm fucking like out on my feet, gassed. Uh, don't get me wrong. That last bit of weight's tough, but no. See, I didn't have no shame losing to him. So you know where I've lost against the Dallas I didn't want to come out the house for days. I, I wouldn't, so I stayed in the house no. fucking hiding because I was so embarrassed and ashamed. After losing to him, I wasn't. I can take losing to someone who's just better than me. He is better than me. You, 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 there's always someone bigger and stronger out there. He was better. I put in a great performance. Yeah, I was ahead when I got stopped. Yes, but it was a twelve round fight. It wasn't a six round. Yeah. Fight. So you've just got to tip your hat to him, mate, and give him credit. He was a, he's an amazing fighter. How do you think he'll do in the heavyweight? I think he'll do really well. I think he'll win a version of the world title. Yeah, I definitely think he'll win a version of it. Do, do I think he can be the real big boys like AJ and Fury? No, too small. I think he's too small. Yeah. He's the same height and build as me. Don't get me wrong, he's fucking beefed up at the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he could surprise, man. That's beefed up there. Don't yeah. get me wrong, it's mad because he's actually not that strong. He's not that powerful. Everyone will go, well, fucking Ellie Chin, you just <laughs> made fussy. I'm coming out for that eighth round, me yeah. nan with the chin. <laughs> I, I've never been so tired in all my life. But listen, I was tired because he made me tired. Yeah. So it all works in the plan. He's not going to be able to put the pressure on me. He's not going to put the pressure on the big boys like he did on me to make me tired. Other fighters will just do what they need to do. Yeah. But his footwork's brilliant. He's an amazing fighter, the best I ever fought. Uh, without a doubt, no one even comes close. Yeah. How was it then, retiring your last fight? How was that emotion for you? Uh, I was happy it was over. Where you? I'm in one piece. I haven't died in a boxing mm-hmm. ring. Don't get, as I said to you before, and I know I'll keep touching that. I've always thought I'm going to I'm gonna die before my time. Massive parts of me have thought that might be in a boxing ring. I've dreamt of dying in a boxing ring, so it wouldn't be a shock to me if it did happen. But when we came, when I, when I drew a line under it and said that's it, it was like I've I've done it. I've blocked the game and I've got out alive. Completed that. Yeah, I've completed the game. So a part of me was happy. Uh, don't get me wrong, I do. I'm not going to lie. Cause City and I didn't go. I don't miss it at all. I fucking miss it. <laughs> I love fighting. I don't miss the training. Yeah. So. Excuse me, I don't miss I don't miss the training mm. at all. Yeah, I do still train five days a week, yeah. or six days probably. Keep you sane, keep you happy. Yeah, I don't know about keeping me happy. I don't know what's ever going to make me fully happy. I'm trying to just understand the meanings of becoming happy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've been someone who's lived my life where I've never been asked about being happy. Mm-hmm. I've always punished myself to get what I wanted, mm-hmm. to get where I wanted. So whether that was training camp, whether I was doing whatever, doing things I didn't like doing, did things didn't want to do mm-hmm. to get to progress myself. I've done them. Uh, so now it's just more of retirement. It was was, was great at first because, you know, you can just start playing footy again with your mates. You can have a bevy whenever you feel like. You can do this, you can do that. All the mm-hmm. things I've missed out on over the last 20 years I've done. But then does, then what you don't see coming is the part of you that, that lived so much, that part of the buzz, that part of being part of something, that part of having a goal to strive for, to yeah. push yourself for every day. Uh, they're the parts I miss. Yeah, you need that. You need some structure, some goals. What's your plans, just before we finish up, brother, what's your plans for the future then from now moving forward? Uh, I've done all right. So I invested all of the money that I earned uh, back into this city. Uh, so that's going okay. I, I, I do things to, not to pass down, but to, I try and pass on some of the knowledge that I've got. Now, I, know I keep getting asked to train people, and I have got so many things that I should pass on, but 
I'm not putting my family second again. I'm going to put my family first throughout the rest of you know for the rest of my days. Yes, I'll still do my works for Sky now and again, but I'm not going to training camps to train fighters for months and weeks at a time. I'm not going to do that. Uh, yes, I could probably help someone out and, and do it maybe once, but I'm not doing it again and again and again. It's just not viable. I don't want to miss my kids growing up. Yeah. I've only just getting to know after all these years. These last couple of years, I've got to know my 15-year-old lad. My eldest lad's 15, mm -hmm. and I'm just getting to know him. You know, Boy, coming stronger. Yeah. So uh, it's just... I'm, I'm spending more time with them. My little baby we recently just not long had, Carson, is, it's been the best time. He's six months the other day. Congratulations. Thanks. And, and he's just, I've realised how much I've missed out on with the others because I've spent it with him. I've been yeah. there every day. Mm -hmm. This lockdown period has made us stronger as a family. Uh, it really, really has. So spending so much time with the little fella and just watching him literally grow day by day. The little greedy fucking never stops him. <laughs> That he's beautiful, uh, mate. Uh, he looks like his mother. Yeah. So he's just everything's perfect. Yeah. I mean, life's good. I've always, like I done the SAS show, and everyone's been on to me about how it was. It was tough. It was really hard. Yeah. But John Fashion, you're talking about that one. Yeah. And the ring was that serious? No, that's fucking take his head. And yeah, I know you would, but always going for it. But wasn't it? Yeah, he bit of an odd but You know what? He was the only one I thought. Like I've got him. His cards marked because he was going. He was going on to me when we first got there. How he was a fifth Dan in fucking Crassy or whatever yeah. it was. Anyway, so I thought, okay, don't me cards marked. I told the producers of the show before it, if you put the boxing gloves on me, I'll walk away. I'm not boxing with anyone. I'm not going to hit anyone. So they, they thought we're going to test his patience here. They didn't tell the staff, Ant and the other guys, that I wouldn't do the boxing. So they didn't let them know. So when it comes to the box test, I thought. Hold my nerve, stand there. She get bell you glove up, and I went, I'm not hitting no one. And all of them just looked at each other, and all they all up and went, You fucking will, you do as you're told. And I said, I fucking won't. I said, I'm not here to hurt anyone. I went, I don't hurt people anymore. He said, I've seen you hurt people. I said, Yeah, yeah, I've seen me hurt people, but the athletes like me, they've, they've got a chance. They're, they're, they're choosing to be there. I'm not hitting anyone here. He went, Just get the fucking gloves on. So put the gloves in there, guy, on. And then he put eight on me. So I thought, Fash has been going on. And I thought, I can see where this is going. Is he fucking let's see who the big lion is in the camp? I'll fucking show you who the big lion is if you want him to shoot. <laughs> Although you do not want to see him. So as the eight of them were on to me, so as eight of them come towards me, Helen, the girls and all that, they fall fucking hitting me, whacking me, hitting me down the side. I just put my shoulder here into Fash's uh, solar plexus here and I just shoved him just give him a heavy woof and shove and he and he flamed me four metres back at the thought has he been having the bollocks kidding the bollocks off me he thought he was a fourth Dan or something or fourth mm. black belt and cratty the first thing you learn in taking combat combat sports is how to stand side on so you cannot be moved you don't be ever square on he stood square on to me so when I shoved him at the shoulder he just thought you're a fucking bluff merchant yeah uh, and and just slung mm -hmm. them back, but uh, a few people surprised me in that in that program. Uh, a few disappointed me. Lockie surprised me massively. He was brilliant, lad. Yeah. Absolute damn. Mental lad. strength starting up. Mental's one hundred percent. A lad who's been. I had so many similarities to him when we actually spoke about our childhoods, growing up, things we've been through. Mm. Me and him have so much in common. Yeah, uh, we really, really do. Mm -hmm. Joey Essex surprised me. He was great. Uh, Lauren Stebbin was an absolute inspiration. She yeah. inspired me. Mm -hmm. A girl who's got half an arm, just fucking drilled through anything. 
in Nicky Sanders with brilliant Yasmin Evans with a fantastic I say Helen Skelton punched me the hardest in that fucking boxing thing had everyone fucking crazy bitch crazy bitches on blue pieces she fucking she nearly knocked me into next week she punched me behind the ear and fucking I'm staggering and stumbling great experience that it was good experience yeah. and Middleton I've become good friends with I wish I had have him just live on my shoulder Yeah, he's the most positive person going yeah that's a great thing yeah, yeah. he's so positive and I wish I could have it be as positive as him. I can't, mm. but you know, I try and be best yeah. every day. But yeah, that's well, amazing, mate. Your career and from what you're doing uh, uh, out from boxing, mate, it's unbelievable. Thank Very you. last question, brother. Yeah. Any of your sons going to be lacing up the gloves for attention? No, 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 no chance, mate. What if they wanted to? Uh, I said, you know what? I could let Carter. Carter's a tough little fucker. Because <laughs> he's the he was the youngest until we've just had Carson, mm-hmm. but now that. Carter, you know, he's had the items off Cody and Kobe for all his life, so he, mm. and he, he never gives any, he always comes back. Yeah. They'll kick him, punch him, slap him, and he'll come back for more. Just he'll like never get in, so yeah. He could do it. I mean, my middle lad, our Kobe, plays rugby. He's really tough and really strong. He doesn't know his own strength, but he mm. doesn't have, my kids just don't have that instinct in them. They don't have that. They'll have that DNA though. They'll surprise you one day. Mate, I, I wanted to it. I wanted to kill everyone. <laughs> when I was when I was fighting, I just wanted to kill mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I really, really did. I just wanted to kill mm-hmm. everything when I was a boxer. But when now, when I look back, I think you were nuts. But I went. It's just being a product of your environment yeah. and, and doing what LV you've got to do. That's all I know. That's all mm-hmm. I knew. And and I've just carried it on. Right, it's amazing, but I don't ch- want the yeah. kids to do it. I don't want me to read new ways for you. Yeah. You channeled everything to be world champion, blockbuster film, and now you're doing things outside. I think it's a beautiful thing, brother. Thank you very much. I'm trying, mate. Helping people is I, I I love helping people, so that's what I'm I'm planning on doing. Yeah. For just helping people in ways I can without trying to deter and take away from my own family life. Yeah. I'm just trying to make it all work. So yeah, family come first. Yeah. That's it, mate. Yeah, but that's a beautiful thing. I think the gift in life is given. As soon as you help someone, you can't buy that through any materialistic no. shit. Everything's within. But Tony, not just a legend inside the ring, but oh. outside to give me your time today. Absolutely. Next level stuff, man, to come here. No problem. I really appreciate that. I wish you all the best for the future. Thank Again, you shout much. out to Tony for setting this interview up. You're an absolute diamond. The boys in here for letting us use a place that only feels bad. Absolute honour, lads. But it's been an absolute pleasure, brother. It's been to sit across for you. all mine. Getting yeah, it, I really appreciate that. Tune in and keep listening. Yes, thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.